welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast for the accountant. My name is Tom Chick, and I'm here to discuss the accountant with you and with Christian Malosky. It's Christian Fibonacci. And with, they don't say, does he say, well, we'll get to that. And with an accountant tagline or two, Kelly Wand. Puts the duh back in deductible. Hmm. Okay. Dingus likes it. No, I like it. I like it. I'm just. I like I that your mouth you is full you go, of candy. <laughs> I'm trying to pretend it's not because I'm a good actor and podcaster. Uh, puts the num back in numbers. Mm. Finally, a movie where Ben Affleck's inexpressive. <laughs> okay. My mouth's oh, not <laughs> That's Just it. those three? Okay, good. Yeah. I, I vote for, uh, I guess, the first one. Hmm. I like the third one, but, uh, yeah, if we were voting. But we're not voting, Kelly. We'll take them all. They're all great. Uh, let's go ahead and spoil the accountant. Maybe you haven't seen it, and maybe you're thinking of seeing it, in which case <laughs> you can still listen for just a little bit. But we're going to warn you before we start spoiling certain reveals in it. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to make a prediction for this podcast, by the way. There's a certain reveal in this movie that I am predicting Dingus is going to say, oh, good Lord, I saw that coming from a mile away, whereas Hmm. I didn't see it until the movie wanted me to see it. That's That's my prediction. You you watch movies rightly. I watch movies wrongly. I still don't see it. You're a little too smart, Dingus, for certain movies. I'm exactly as dumb as the movie needs me to be. I'm dumber. Well, we'll, we'll see if Kelly Wan saw that twist coming, too. Yeah, let, we'll get to that when we get into spoilers. It's not a twist. Dingus, without spoiling any of the twists or reveals or secret identity. That's how you get cocky what? about when, when you get a twist right. There wasn't even a twist. Bruce Willis is dead all the time. What? It was obvious. Right, yeah. Wait, what? It's, uh, so, Dingus, without spoiling any of the twists, because actually I would I would say there's a couple, and neither of none of them. Well, we'll get to that shortly. Dingus, don't spoil anything, and tell the listeners what movie we saw this week. A little bit about it. All right, this week we saw The Accountant, a 2016 American drama thriller action movie about solving puzzles and shooting melons. It was directed by Gavin O'Connor mm. and written by Bill Dubuque. It stars Ben Affleck, Anna Kendrick, J.J. Simmons, John Bernthal. Wait, what? What? Did you say yawn? I said John. Oh, oh, I thought you were doing some sort of like soft. I didn't know. I thought maybe I I was making fun of him. No. Yeah, I thought I'd been mispronouncing it all the time. So it is John Bernthal. It's not yawn Devant. It's John Bernthal. Yeah, like I didn't know if he was a Swede or something, and I'm only just now finding out. No, he's not a Swede. He's from uh, Sicario. I I think you guys know him from something else, but I know him from Sicario. We know him as Shane. You know him as the dude that got Emily Blunt in Sicario. Uh, He got Blunt. He's in Wolf of Wall Street. He's in a lot of movies. He's the breakout star. I liked him in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It's the only thing I've seen him in where I really thought, hey, he was great in that part. I liked Walking Dead till he left. I think the nose casting in this movie was spot on. Um, So John Bernthal, uh, Cynthia Die Robinson, and Gene Smart. 
<laughs> Thank you, Tom. What? <laughs> it's from having seen season two of Fargo. I love Gene Smart after season two of Fargo. Oh, yeah. She was the mom. Yeah. She was awesome in that. Oh, uh, yeah. She's good. She was very Jackie Weaver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I but like she's that. still a loose hand. Wait, thing is, you didn't see season two of Fargo? Uh, <laughs> no, oh, but like I saw Garden State, Jackie. and I thought I loved her in Garden State. She's got a really small part, but she's great in it. Yeah, Dingus, we were talking about season two of Fargo, not Garden State. No one cares. Sorry, somebody wrote balls on my forehead, and I got confused. All right. Uh, the account ant is rated R. Oh, yeah. For? What? Here we go. Strong violence mm-hmm. and language throughout. At least two F-bombs. I was counting it. When, when I heard one of them... It's the sort of thing. You're, you're watching a movie, you hear one F-bomb, and you're like, okay, it could still be PG-13. But then once the second one drops, you're like, nope, this is an R-rated movie. Right. Always bring a 17-year-old if you're going to hear an F-bomb in a movie. That's the NPA's advisal. Advisals. Advisal. <laughs> advisal. Uh, Kelly Wan, did the MPAA miss out on any of the advisals that they should have added to the rating? An American tale, advisal. Uh, I would have only added numerical graffiti. And uh, some murder, but only people we're supposed to hope die. Okay. Uh, like cannibal. They were all The bad. account opened at number one with $25 million. <sighs> Fucking Affleck. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 51. On Metacritic, it's at 51. I'm on a hot streak again, Affleck crew. I don't think 51 is a hot streak. It is for him. Okay. <laughs> uh, on CinemaScore, which is the... The measure of how much idiots like a movie. Mm. Is it A minus? Idiots uh-uh. love accountant. That's weird because I wouldn't give it an A minus. So there goes that theory. <laughs> Kelly, I, boy, Cinema Score wouldn't know what to do with you. They I would know. be, they would drum you out of there. They would be like, Nah, we don't need your vote. Thank you very I'm much. I'm proof that Wan. numbers don't matter. The, right. the doors over here, uh, Mr. Wan. Thank you so much for attending this screening. We'll call you if we need you in the future. I always have to be told where the door is. <laughs> Well, Kelly Wan, you also have to be told to now read us the Accountopsis. Oh, wait, where you talked about math? That's what Rotten Tomatoes 51, Metacritic 51, not a lot of math there. (laughs) That's it? Those numbers equal math. I thought it would take longer. If you like incongruity, then those numbers will not help you. Um, I give incongruity an A-. Well, cinema score, it's the same thing cinema score felt about the accountant. See, that's how idiots feel about incongruity. Um, does the A stand for accountant? Oh, you think that's how they read it? Like they were like, pick one, pick one of these letters, the one closest to the name of the movie. You think that's how they do it? I don't know. At the last place I worked, they picked a really uh, dumb title for the game because it was near the beginning of the alphabet. And they're like, yeah, so you get more clicks if you uh, if you have to start with a C. Yeah, that's why you don't name your accounting firms EZZ so Accounting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Dom. Well secret done. agents will, will out you. You'll be yeah, that seems really stupid of him, doesn't it? He didn't want anybody to find him and call him and bother so him. Why do you make it obvious with ZZZ? Why do you make it like normal sounding? So that Kelly Wand, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, okay, I'll handle the that. movie is kind of stupid. Oh, all right. And Triple X was taken. You were, you were asking questions, Kelly Wan. I might answer them if you ask them. I'm just letting you know. I was stalling for time, but I don't know why. The Accountopsis 
exactly a what bunch I of people. <laughs> oh wait, I forgot to ask. Sorry. No, that's what I said. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. You didn't have to ask. It's not going to try. I'm not going to try. I don't know. I think I think it's actually a deceptively good title for a movie, though. Wait, just are we going to do numbers, Tom? Are you going to do the numbers yet? Now we're just going to skip them and go straight to the synopsis because that's what everyone wants to hear. Okay. The Accountopsis. A bunch of people get shot upstairs in a building while J.K. Rowling listens uneasily and stares at dead extras. Oh, you know what? Hold on, Kelly Wand. Dingus <laughs> and I have not seen The Accountant, it turns out. Mm, oops. Uh-oh. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> we, we arrived just as the screen was black and in, 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 in a scene came up of the little young Ben Affleck being taken to the uh, – Asperger's doctor or whatever. And yeah. so we were thinking, we walked in at just the right time. We didn't miss anything. What you're describing, which we later see in flashback, was before Dingus and I got to the movie. So technically speaking, because we haven't seen the entirety of the movie, we cannot say we've seen The Accountant. Yeah, that's a good Well, point. I think this is – well, that's where I come in. I'm filling in those blanks. Good, good. Okay, I'm so anyway, just, I, just, jigsaw puzzle. I just – You had a missing right. piece. And you're like the little girl that hands it to us. Thank you very yeah. much, Kelly Wan. I think so if much. you ever see this scene, you'll think I summarized it accurately. Okay. The we'll keep, of the movie. keep shooting blanks at us. <laughs> the Accountopsis. A bunch of people get shot upstairs in the building while J.K. Rowling listens uneasily and stares at dead extras. Uh, some words are all the Accountopsis. A counselor sits with some balding parents and their three brunette kids. Did you see this part? Yeah. yeah, but there were just two kids. Yeah. Oh. Oh, man. There's Wait, not. so the girl was his sister? No, Justine is yeah. not. No. What? Well, is, we don't know. We didn't see the, the, we didn't see the setup. <laughs> she's, the, she's the dude who started the school's... Okay, never mind. Oh, that's right. So that means that he is Ben Affleck's father, Dingus, and the other guy was just a pretender. Man, uh, so many layers in this movie. It's like an onion. You peel away a layer, and there's another one. Kelly Wan, I'm so glad smaller. you explained bits of this movie to us because we totally would have missed out. I'm here to help everyone <laughs> understand the many nuances of the story in The Accountant. All right, so they're there with three kids. Go ahead. We, we uh, counselor. So instead of an onion, think. it's more like a shallot, I would say. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I could be wrong on some things in the synopsis. I'll finally admit that this may be the first time where I say something that may not happen in the movie because it was a little confusing. So this is what I think happened. Counselor sits with some balding parrots and their three brunette kids. One of the boy ones is doing a jigsaw puzzle while his sister sits in a chair pulling her hair out and muttering, Ranger Games, Phantoms, Daredevil, Forces of Nature, G. Lee, Pearl Harbor, Surviving Christmas. <laughs> Another brother exists. The mom's all... As you can see, we got one kid likes jigsaw puzzles, a hair-pulling enthusiast, and a kid who grows up to be John Burnfall. So we're 0 for 3. What can you give in the way of mood meds to us? Suddenly, the first kid starts freaking out over a missing puzzle piece, which he inexplicably didn't notice was missing three pieces earlier. He starts screaming, <laughs> you to finish my puzzle! La, 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 la. Ten minutes to Wapner, fart on Tom Cruise and phone booth. The mom's all, should we help him? The missing piece is right there against the table leg in plain view of all of us. The counselor's all, shh, let's listen to him wail for a few more minutes, see how this plays out. Eventually, the sister gets fed up with the 
caterwauling and hands Scream Boy the puzzle piece. The dad's all. So, doctors, you can see he did the jigsaw puzzle wrong side up. The picture of Muhammad Ali in his underwear on the bottom. Clearly, he's a genius. The counselor's all. Or just racist. Speaking of which, he's the only one of your kids I'm interested in discussing. How would you like me to come take him away with me to my lab? I have, like, three jigsaw puzzles I'm stuck on that have missing pieces. That ought to keep him busy. The dad's all. Not happening. I was in the army, so if it's all the same to the state, I'm going to turn all my offspring into counting super weapons. <laughs> the counselor's all, um, the mom's all, why'd I get married to him again? 30 years later, Thandie Newton works for the FBI. <laughs> she comes into J.K. Rowling's office and goes, you wanted to see me? <laughs> He's all, have a seat. You enjoying the movie so far, Thandy? She shrugs. <laughs> He's all, you're out of tune, Ms. Newton. And for the record, you're not out of tune, but you didn't know, and that's bad enough. He types words that appear on his monitor screen. Attempted murder of respected meth dealer, poor attendance, three minutes of screen time over two hours. She cries a lone tear while an Indian comes in and throws garbage on her foot. Then she's all, what do you want? <laughs> Remember Dingus? Yeah. He hands her some photos. He's all, what do you notice about all these pictures? She's all, they're all square? Focus. You've only looked at one of them. Also, they're round. She ripples through them and goes, They're all pictures of Ben Affleck. Try not to look at the camera. Except this one, you wear nothing but a Spider-Man mask. You painted your penis green? If you want the fucking part, earn it. This isn't a Bat Midler concert. We won't be serving baked Alaskans to Cosmopolitans. The green, it's my name from... It's sort of a play on William Defoe's supervillain character name. Look, just focus on these other ones. <laughs> They're all the Ben Affleck trying not to look at the camera. I mean, he looks 1% different since he's wearing glasses, but... Rowling's all, hope you know what city Chicago's in. You're headed there. She pours some water, drinks it, and does a spit take. Meanwhile, at the IRS, Ben Affleck is talking to a married former farmer couple. He's all, now then, Mr. and Mrs. Goo Goo Goo, I need to know what you both do for a living, but please do not use contractions or stare at my cheek freckle. Well, I'm a serial killer. <laughs> Fell in love with my sister here on account of her two square feet. Affleck gives him a thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> three square feet. Affleck gives him a thumbs down. Uh, four and a, uh, a third. The sister's all, I don't do nothing except have sex with Elmer here. Mama named him after a third favorite, Glue. Affleck gives her a thumbs up. Uh, second favorite, rubber cement. Affleck does that thing where you look like you're pulling your thumb off with your finger. Suddenly he flashes back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the name of that is. But I'm really good at it. I also got your nose, too. <laughs> Suddenly, he flashes back to a sweaty, bearded Asian guy teaching this thumb trick to him and his brother as kids while their dad watches. The kids moan and hold their bloody thumbs, belching with exhaustion. The Asian man turns to the dad and goes, Please, these two young ones have suffered enough thumb soreness. Tomorrow is another day. The dad's all, who are you, Scarlet or Benny Hanna? Again, then we'll do toes. Affleck farts awake in his office. The farmer's all, wow, mister, I ain't seen a man drool unconscious swing by my front yard this... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fuck it up. <sighs> wow, mister, I ain't seen a man drool unconscious like that since me last night. How'd you like to swing by my front yard this weekend and shoot three candles with a sniper rifle? We can even put faces on them. Affleck's all, I accept this offer. Thank you for finding my presence tolerable for a brief interval. 
Garner leans over to me and goes, that would be acting. That night, Affleck goes home, meticulously <laughs> arranges his bacon and eggs on his plate into the Batman symbol, then goes into his bedroom, sits <laughs> on his bed, <laughs> sets the alarm for 27 minutes, and beats his shin bone with a thermos while he relives a classic memory from his childhood. <laughs> In this one, the dad struggles with the mom as she tries to get into a taxi parked in the driveway whose driver watches them yawning. She's all, I, I can't take it anymore. The thumbs? Affleck's not even by the window. Shouldn't this be the brother's memory? The dad's all, fine. We'll have our fourth kid later. Peering out the window, Affleck's brother flips off his middle finger at the car. Even though she's not in it. Affleck farts awake to find the thermos bleeding and his shin bone looking bored. I lean over to the asteroid from Armageddon sitting beside me and go, yeah, in his last movie, he prepped to fight Superman by beating on a rubber tire with a hammer. <laughs> the asteroid's all. The only difference between me and Affleck is that his face is flatter. Affleck's phone rigs. A happy face is all. Hello. Been a while since I interrupted you in the middle of abusing a body part. Heavy sigh. Affleck's all. What is the plot of this movie? <laughs> a company is missing money that's not missing anymore. John Lithgow's scene is coming up. Heavy sigh. <laughs> Affleck hangs up, yawns, then heads for the bunk beds in prison. He shares Tuesday nights with Jeffrey Tambor. Tambor says something like, they really stuck it to us, but we'll show them. Affleck wakes up in a business office with John Lithgow and Mon Mothma and a feisty old man. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to John Lithgow. She's all, I hope we're not wasting your time, Mr. Affleck. I am certain that I am by a clock. The old man's all, look, Mr. Affleck, I don't know who you think you are. I'm 13% Jason Bourne mixed with Rain Man by way of Russell Crowe's beautiful mind character and the sphere in sphere. Well, I started here in 1907. In that case, I will need to see your book starting with today. I will also require 50 small trash cans for my magic markers. <laughs> This is all highly unorthodox. Mon Mothma's all, Charlton, please, step out into the hallway and fume impotently. <laughs> After Oldie leaves, she's all, Mr. Affleck, I don't know much about you, but Zelda Rubinstein told me she considers you nothing less than supernatural, and Jennifer Lopez says you were the ninth best writer she ever bombed with. Therefore, I'm assigning you my worst paid temp to assemble all the records you're asking for. <laughs> the happy face on Affleck's phone is all, Heavy sigh! Mon Mothma's all, um, I think your phone's on? While Affleck avoids eye contact with us, he relives a traumatic childhood memory of farting awake covered in jigsaw puzzle pieces, then parts awake from that to find himself still in the office, but now covered in notebooks and binders full of women, as Anna Kendrick gently places a W9 <laughs> over his face. She's all, and done. Whew. He gets up and goes, this must have taken you since birth. It did. I'm just happy I was able to get it all done. Get out, please. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, so, so you want to get lunch later? I, I feel a real connection with you. I only eat raw yeast and drink boiled water. Leave the door open a centimeter so it does not strike your haunches. Not that your haunches intrigue me in the slightest except as potential paperweights, although I would prefer cubes of granite for aesthetic reasons. Hey, listen, I really find you listenable. Maybe I'll sit near you while you're trying to eat later and tell you long anecdotes about my troubled pubescence. That would be tedious. Ergo, I would enjoy it. Get out. He looks excitedly at the stacks of paperwork, puts on his tie, and goes, At last we are alone. <laughs> Kendrick Saul. Um, I'm still here. But Affleck's already shutting the door on her nose. 
as music plays, he starts writing stuff on the whiteboards and walls, triumphantly hurling each marker in the trash after taking the cap off <laughs> as the soundtrack loses interest. <laughs> so one time he's happy, smelling ink. As the soundtrack loses interest, he creeps outside, ducks beneath some branches, finds a secluded stairway, and just as he starts to bite into his poi, Kendrick's all, Boo! I mean, hi. Oh, what a coincidence. You like to eat wherever this is. Hey, you want to hear a cool story about me? I was unpopular in high school, so I decided to buy an expensive dress, but I don't believe in stealing unless mass involved, so I went to Vegas and counted cards till I'd lost everything. Luckily, on my way out, a slot machine fell on me, and I became queen of Spain. I only listen to gambling stories about poker being played by dogs. Get out. Wow, you're the only person I've ever talked to. Do you want to have dinner sometime? Yes, alone. Wow. <laughs> How hard do you have to be to make a dent in that steel thermos? It is a visual reminder that I once fought the man of steel. Really? Who won? He shrugs. Meanwhile, on a stage, a black person approaches a podium and goes, Ladies and gentlemen, J.K. Rowling. They all clap as J.K. Rowling walks up and goes, Can the alternates please come up and wipe the blood off my podium? He walks backstage with Eddie Newton's all. Sir, I've done some research. Lewis Carroll, Irma Bombeck, Jaden Smith. They're all famous mathematicians and or vampires, and none of them are looking at me in a couple of these pictures I clicked on. I think we should break into Ben Affleck's house, sit in his living room, and compare notes about how incompetent we were at our jobs back in the day. Sandy, <laughs> <laughs> if you deliberately sabotage my case, I will fuck you like a pig. I think I'm going to start calling you Flannery. Say it. He throws a symbol at her head and storms into the broom closet. Meanwhile, Kendrick's all, Wow, who were those men trying to kill me? And why did Lithgow let anyone look at the books? Aren't there easier ways than this for you to make contact with your brother? Are we sure your character's smart and not just weird? And you use a Pollock to fall asleep to? I got the word autistic mixed up with something else, and also the word Pollock. Wow, so you live in a trailer inside a strip mall inside a storage unit. You're so interesting. I can hitch it to my truck and be mobile within 12 minutes, although redistributing the gold bars so the trailer doesn't capsize on turns tends to add another three hours. But this is the safest place in the city for you to be. Now, come on. I'm taking you to an expensive hotel across town where we can be easily traced. Well, I may not know you, and I may be 0 for 37 when a man tells me I shouldn't go to the police, but <laughs> you do have a flat face. Flat fleck. Affleck's phone's all heavy sigh. Kendrick stares at us. The next day, J.K. Rowling takes Andy Newton and a bunch of feds to break into Affleck's house and vandalize it. As Rowling opens the front door, up tripwire to the door, Sill falls and spills water on his face. And he's on the couch, wears a sign that says, you're all wet. <laughs> you know, no one's seen it but me. I have to champion it. An agent walks in and goes... Yeah, I found some more bear traps out back, and some giant tacks under the windows. Guy's a regular Culkin. Fanny's all, but has he got the front half of the house? Rowling gestures at a mostly off-screen dark object hanging from the ceiling and goes, there's something you don't see every day. As the other agents chuckle politely and explode, Rowling sits back, rests his muddy shoes on Affleck's coffee table and goes, now that we should be looking for clues around here, what's your backstory, Newton? <laughs> She's all, this and that doesn't involve Affleck's character, though. You? Since I'm a terrible police officer, I ignored the testimony of a mob informant, so I decided to make things right by going alone into a building filled with his thugs. Although I was following Affleck up one floor after another as he shot people, he still somehow got behind me. Then he held a gun to my head and asked me if I'm a good dad. I lied my ass off and he seemed to buy it, but now I'm relentlessly, just to make sure I never catch it. But it's getting boring, so I need someone that I blackmail to take over my lifelong fool's errand. You're welcome.
Meanwhile, Hendrick wakes up to find a box copy of World of Warcraft by her bed, along with a note from Affleck that says, you deserve wow. She looks at us sadly. Meanwhile, Affleck <laughs> tricks Lithgow by t- killing all of his men except for Shane, since he's related to him and none of the other men are. Shane's all, you never call anymore, and you went to mom's funeral? Weak. Wait, what happened? I think I got in a fight with an Air Force colonel at it, or dad, so they took me to prison, and dad died? <laughs> Lithgow comes into the room, sighs wearily, and goes, hey guys, FYI, my mom's name was Marth Affleck shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> then he and Shane take turns hugging themselves. Afterwards, Shane's all, maybe we can get together later this week sometime and not say anything. Affleck's all, yes. Shane's all, how will I find you? Affleck's all, I'll find me. He nods squintingly and walks off screen, tripping over something and swearing. To celebrate finding a building with Lithgow and some dead assassins in it, Fanny Newton gives a speech to the police officers' convention. The black guy's all, ladies and gentlemen, Fanny Newton. No one claps. She walks up to the podium and goes, Thank y'all for sitting there while I say this. Since JK's here, I'm not going to tell you right now. Ben Affleck killed everybody, ballistics tests notwithstanding. I assure you all that as long as I'm in charge, this case will remain unsolved indefinitely. The cops all stand up and cheer and shoot guns at the ceiling till the building collapses, while J.K. Rowling watches proudly. He made a black friend. When Kendrick wakes up from playing WoW, she's being led her out of a cabin by the doctor from the first scene. He's all, and this is where we keep Affleck's sister and her supercomputer. It's so powerful it can send voice to chat all the way to Affleck's cell phone from anywhere within 100 yards. <laughs> the sister's all, I still have to type out the words heavy sigh, though. <sighs> she sighs heavily. In a park, Affleck opens a laptop and emails all, I need help with my taxes and Denzel Washington's character, the Equalizer, isn't interested. Can you help me? He tries to smile, then to type. Over the sounds of his fumbling, we see Kendrick enter her apartment and find a poster of dogs playing poker. She tears it to pieces. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, yeah, now I feel like I've seen it. You helped a lot. We, we now know... What happened in the entire movie? There's no piece missing from this jigsaw. Actually, fortunately, during the flashback, we I can't imagine like we saw everything in the flashback, right? Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. So the opening, you could just cut it. We didn't need it, right? That so that way you don't have when characters' motivations don't make sense in the flashbacks, you can just go, oh wait, it's confusing. Okay, no, okay, now I understand. Now, uh, Dingus, did you get the twist about the brother early on? Because that, that completely – I didn't under, I, it didn't even occur to me. Maybe because I didn't care, but it didn't even occur to me, and I knew exactly when the movie wanted me to know. Did you know before then? Oh, yeah. I mean, what I was looking for, it. I was thinking, where's this brother? Because he's just gone. And well, I was while, assuming – for a while, I, didn't know you're right. I, mean, I think the movie wanted us to think that he'd been killed, and this is like a revenge thing. That's what, no. that's where, that's what I was assuming. I was I was actually thinking that that his character might be the brother pretending. Um, I was going with that for a while, but then when you look at the casting and the noses, um, the noses are very similar. I mean, John Bernthal's got a pretty distinctive nose, and the kid they cast as as Brax as Braxton uh, has the same nose, um, and so I just it. You know, when uh, when we're in the car and and I really didn't like that 
I did like that scene where, you know, oh, this gun, and he just, like, puts it on the dashboard when he's, like, beating up that dude in the car. Um, I kind of started to think about it then. But I was I was wondering about, like, maybe they're messing around. Maybe this is the... Maybe he's the brother, and this isn't the autistic kid. Right. He's just pretending to be. Um, so I was looking for those things early on. Yeah, uh, I'm so but dumb. Yeah, it but I, I got it on. I got it on. It didn't even occur to me, and I knew the movie too was wanting us to wonder who's this Bernthal character. How does he connect? Like I, I knew all that. Like who's he working for? And it never once occurred to me it was going to be the brother until shortly before the reveal when that's the so, movie's like. That's so weird to me because I, I thought it was pretty obvious early on that he was the brother. Kelly Wan, did you get it early on? No. Yeah, Kelly Wan and me are just dumb enough for this movie. I, I mean, also there's, did, there's enough confusion where you don't think about it too hard, or I didn't, until it yeah. was too late. I mean, I really did just assume, oh, we're going to find out that the brother and the father died yeah. and he's avenging them. And, yeah. Well, I was he thinking well, for a while that, not- that J.K. Simmons might be the father, and I thought that there, there was going to be like this weird triad thing. Yeah. See, Dingus, you're, like, you're exploring all possibilities. Kelly Wan and I, when we're watching it, are exploring no possibilities. <laughs> Yeah, I just go, well, I'm probably too big to understand it, but it probably <laughs> makes sense to everyone but me. I'll just keep plunging on. But you're not supposed to, right? <laughs> it's you're, The whole point, it's like Inception. You're supposed to not care per se Let the director out. tell you. Yeah, the well, director's got help it. the way he my, my brain works. It leaps forward. It keeps thinking about, well, who's this guy? Who's that guy? I can't help that. Well, and it wants you to do that. So yeah, but it doesn't want you to actually make guesses. Yeah, you're not supposed to actually successfully guess. You're just supposed to wonder. You're not supposed to answer your own questions, Dingus. Because I'm trying to see it the way the audience is going to see it, so I become the audience, like I dumb myself down a little bit. But you're the audience. That's what. Wait. No, I know, but I want to be surprised. Like I'm always rooting for a movie until it I, just annoys me. I bet all those CinemaScore people who gave it an A minus gave it that because they had no idea John Bernthal was the brother. Yeah, but the thing is, that doesn't seem to be – like, that's a cool twist, I think, and I didn't see it, but it's also – it doesn't have any impact on anything that else is, that's going on. Like, it's totally I mean, inconclusive. talking about it completely uh, – it, it, it completely undoes, like, the whole plot. Like, it, it, it's the undoing, presumably, of John Lithgow's character. Like, otherwise, John Bernthal would have defended him successfully, I think. Right. Yeah. I yeah, but he's checked out of it. Like, who really would have won? Like, were they both pulling back? And did the Ber- did Bernthal know sooner? I don't know. It just seemed like... I think why didn't you just talk to, to him sooner that- and go, hey, let's both kill Lithgow together, since I know it's you? Well, he only knows it's him because he hears him on the little uh, closed circuits uh, right. saying... But on the street, when he's chasing him, he has to see that it's him. But no, maybe Bern- That's why I thought he, he knew and Bernthal... He doesn't so that's really a, yeah, get they it. don't see each yeah. other then. Yeah. They, they he doesn't get it until he hears the weird recitation. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kelly Wand is just a huge coincidence that that happens in movies. Oh, because I thought I thought the reason that he doesn't go after him in that scene was because he knew it was Bernthal. Not oh my god, I'm going to hide behind this car for the rest of the night. Oh, like that at no. that point he found it. No, yeah, I think, yeah. They both reveal. It's also like yeah, they both find out. I think at the same time when which they're, I kind of like. So I liked the dumb. I didn't even. Re- so now that if he doesn't know till later, that's kind of ruined. Now, all right. <laughs> Uh, now uh, you went from liking the movie to not liking it, huh? I liked some things about it, and I liked certain individual scenes, and I liked the the concept of Affleck's character, but I didn't think I didn't like the resolution. It's pretty, it's kind of a Deus Ex Machina, I thought. And there's also, I don't know what any of the relationships of the characters are going forward, which seems 
kind of dumb, like him and Bernthal. I don't know. Like, once you find out it's him, that's supposed to be the end of what we're supposed to think about the fact that they're related, I guess. Well, yeah, like, presumably, they out. presumably they'll get together in the future and be brotherly to one another. Yeah. So what? That's not that exciting, is it? Like, oh, we knew you in the flashbacks. That's why it matters? It doesn't change much. I don't know. It seems like it's a weird family. Yeah. I I think this script could have worked for me if it hadn't have been for mainly Ben Affleck. I I just, I've said this before when we, I think, talked about the town. Uh, He just, he really thinks of himself as this soulful, brooding type. Uh, Uh, And he thinks he's being De Niro, and he he just looks bored. Like, he he doesn't. He, yeah, it's trying too hard, and it just doesn't. And it comes across as not trying. I mean, it just it it just was bland. And you he's know, supposed to have had a hard life, and we don't picture. We can't get that when we see him. Well, I just yeah, I don't I don't think that Ben Affleck has a a good sense for how he comes across on the screen. No. Uh, like I don't think he, he plays an himself asshole. well. Well, I think that he's at his best. My favorite Ben Affleck performance, I think. I have to think about. He's confused. No, I, I'm thinking more Hollywoodland, where he plays George Reeves, just like a big, affable, blandly handsome movie star. Like he basically yeah. plays himself in a period piece in Hollywoodland. I haven't seen that. Did you like the movie? Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's it's mainly notable for yeah. Finally, someone gets how to cast Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah, I think over. I never liked him, and then over years, I just got used to him. So I haven't. I haven't he isn't I haven't warmed to him, but he's in everything, so I go, well, all right, well it's Affleck, so I'll measure it by that yardstick. But you know. Like for him this was a big step. I mean it's sort of different from what he's doing in Batman as far as I'm concerned. This is just Batman yeah. but, but slightly more muted, I, I think. He should just play boiler room kind of characters. I think that's, Oh, that's right. He came in and did the Alec Baldwin in Boiler. I've never seen that. But yeah. Does he come he's in like, and do the Alec Baldwin thing? Yeah, because it plays to his strengths. But he's one of those guys who doesn't seem to know what his own strengths are. So he keeps. Biggest, trying. how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about uh, the lesser Affleck in this movie? I thought your favorite Ben Affleck movie was Smoke and Aces. No, no, I'm talking about my favorite Ben Affleck performance. That might be my favorite appearance because Chris Pine kills him super early on. And that's right. awesome. But as far as his performance, he's just playing himself in Hollywood Land, which is kind of cute to see. Yeah, I see. Oh, so what was your question? Um, oh, well, we're way in on this Affleck situation. I I think he's I think this movie is perfectly suited for him. I, I mean, um, I actually really like this movie a lot. Um, I, I agree with you that it's dumb, uh, and there's there's a, a, a huge gaping hole that I hate about this movie where it feels like the writer just thought well maybe the third act's not going to come so I don't have to worry about that um, I, I, there, there's a huge part that I really hate about it but uh, overall I really liked it and I think that he's perfectly suited for the, his his lack of affect um, affleck yeah you know I, I could have made that joke too uh, I think it's, I think it's perfect for this movie. I think that his inability to express a reasonable emotion, uh, I think he uses to good effect. Um, I, I think that the the uh, the casting is appropriate. Uh, I think he is trying too hard sometimes, but that's fine because he's playing a character who's trying to try too hard. Um, I, I think it. I think it totally works. I think it. It's weird. I think it's a. I think it's a weird, um, really kind of strange, wonderful, uh, 
coming together of an an actor who doesn't really have a lot of tools uh, in the, in a part that uh, requires somebody to not be able to have a lot of tools. Um, I think I think it works here. I really do. And he's just funny enough that the funny parts work for me. I mean, I actually really like this thing. It was it's weird, and I I, I know that's weird. I know it's dumb. Uh, but nevertheless, there you go. Well, I'm a I'm a Gone Girl apologist, so you're in good company. Well, oh, are you really? Yeah, I've never yeah. seen Gone Girl. Um, I like it. I think it was funny. <laughs> it's a great. Comedy. You just like that he finds himself in dire straits. No, I love the twist of that movie. I think it's a much better twist than this one. Is that not and, January uh, Jones? Who's the girl in it? Because I didn't even like her. Rosalind Pike. Pike. Rosalind Pike. Yeah, I didn't even like her in that. Yeah. Uh, well, you're not really watching her, and that's what kind of made the twist work for me. Is like, oh, it's a Ben Affleck movie. He's gonna find the killer, and then when it turned out to be what it was, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like it was way. I didn't know the book, so maybe it was working on me. I just, but in this, I, I wished. I just think uh, his, we- his weird Easter Island face works for this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm never going to be able to unsee that now, Dingus. No, I can't either. <laughs> Easter Island face. Wow. Uh, well, part, of where, part of where this doesn't work for me, Dingus, is there, and it's where the script, I think, is really overestimating what he's selling. Anna Kendrick is supposed to be fascinated with him. And she's <laughs> supposed to be really into him, and she's supposed to want to keep talking to him, and I just don't see that at all. Like I, the only reason, and she's trying. I mean, she's trying to yeah. sell it, but it's not. There's nothing sellable there. She just has to pretend that he's fascinating, and she wants to be in yeah. be in the same room with How him, thankless. and she wants to keep talking to him. And uh, yeah, I just and it's Anna Kendrick. Like she, no, I can't find anyone to talk to me. Well, no, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Know, I no. disagree with that because I love their first scene together, and I think it's because I think. Part of the problem is that we don't buy her as this junior level accountant who's wanting so much. I mean, she, she, either. She, is, she is really trying to get her way. She's really trying to um, claw her way up. And, and I'm okay with that, by the way. I'm fine with what with Anna Kendrick's character, yeah. like the portrayal of it. It's her supposed attraction to to this character, yeah. which, which I have Makes a Makes you seem pathetic. Well, I don't think – well, I think she is a little bit pathetic. I mean, I think that's okay. Um, but I don't think she's attracted to him immediately. I think she's she's trying to impress somebody who's been brought in by the higher-ups, who's the, the higher gun, and he's completely dismissive of her, which is interesting and – uh, if not attractive, then at least mag- magnetizing it, at least, for somebody who's trying to uh, – who has ambition. And I think that she has a certain amount of ambition, and she's also bored with other things. And she's found this thing. that she's She's discovered something, and she wants to be a part of it. And this guy's like, yeah, I'm dismissing you now. And I think that – she rightly finds that uh, if not a tra- I don't I, I I agree with you Tom I, I don't agree I don't think any of that weird on the couch I'm about to kiss you stuff works at all or even I the lunch that- bit, even the lunch bit I think like that the first scene I'm, I I would agree with you completely there like that first scene is kind of interesting and you can tell they're trying to make you think yeah she's a little interested uh, but when you know later on on the steps eating lunch she just like gloms onto him and wants to talk to him. Uh, that's where it kind of started for me, where I was like, you know, this is just stuff that exists in the script and yeah. not really in the, the connection, especially not really in what Ben Affleck is selling, at least for me. Uh, and, yeah, that whole leaning to kiss, like, like that was the, kind of the culmination of it. Like, really? That's where they're going to, like, have a kiss fake out? Like, they're yeah. at this point so into each other? 
That's that was really yeah. painful. That that whole I'm leaning in to kiss you thing was really painful for me. But the lunch thing I thought was was really adorable because again I think it's it's her as this as this low level assistant trying to so hard um, impress this this guy uh, not not a guy just this 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 big gun that's been brought in. Um, and also trying to draw him out a little bit and figure out well, who is this. And she's trying to, you know, she's interested in in balancing things. She's interested in trying to figure out. I think she's tr- sort of trying to figure him out in those moments. And also right. she's insecure about herself. She's insecure about her position position at the company. Um, and I I really I don't I love Anna Kendrick. I don't know that this is the proper casting. Um, but I really love the, I love what she's doing and I, and I buy it. It's just that, um, you've got a couple of different, a couple of difficulties here is that, uh, Ben Affleck just doesn't, I don't know that I've ever seen him have chemistry with somebody. Um, and he's also playing a character who is socially awkward, so he's not going to exude anything. So it's, it's a really difficult sort of line to walk and it's a really difficult balance and she has to carry all of the weight and she's she's awkward as well um, and those are the things I really kind of like about it mm-hmm. sure. yeah he keeps his distance but I think we're supposed to be fascinated by him too and that never right. takes hold yeah. for me yeah. and so then I can't like we're supposed to be stoked at the end that he's prevailed and for the first half, I'm like, oh, we're not supposed to like him, like, until he warms to Kendrick. She also goes – I mean she's absent from the movie like partway through. I'm like, well, wait. Well, I yeah. thought this was going to be a movie like like Born Identity yeah, where they're thrown in and he's protecting her. And now the movie's just like, you know, he's going to leave her in a hotel room and we're going to go have action scenes, and then she'll come oh, back for a scene right. at the end. Right. Uh, I mean that that was I think that's just you know the, the script wasn't really an exp- interested in exploring their relationship it just wanted to sort of throw that out there and then have him do an action movie. Um, that's and, a good point. And Ding- I agree with Dingus. It's like he's really he's a really good actor at keeping his distance, and so that helps him in this case. But he doesn't seem tortured <laughs> for real. Which like, it's not town. Do that. Well, it's the town Daniel all over again. Daniel Day-Lewis or Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day, Billy Bob Thornton in The Man Who Wasn't There. There are all these like great examples of, of muted performances where an actor is really good, and you can clearly see there's a lot going on behind their eyes, and they're just doing these impassive faces, and they're not talking. Yeah, he has trouble tapping into pain. Like even like Channing Tatum in Foxcatcher was way better. Yeah, exactly, Kelly Wand. Wow, that's that, exactly. That's, a, that's actually a pretty good th- point, but this is a character who's supposed to have autism, so – what you're what you're asking for is something that is supposed to be incapable for the care not not hard to convey it's incapable he's incapable of doing well I also it's not like like, you, like, I like we can that. like draw it out of him because we want a tear jerky moment he it's he's incapable of it he has to yeah, learn but, how to do it yeah but he's, this is not a movie dingus about an autistic person this is a movie about right. a super spy who happens to be autistic that's kind of just a little tweak on the character yeah. this he's isn't like a yet. real this isn't a real portrayal of autism. Uh, it's a, a right. super spy movie, and the real, and there, you know, it, it's not like all of this stuff is completely. In the, so my under, by the way, is Beautiful Mind because Beautiful yeah, Mind, mind I too, find actually. borderline offensive for how it tries to sell, uh, and I forget what his particular disability was, but how it tries to sell that mathematician's uh, disability. Right. Um, and it, you know, there's all this stuff about he's not going to take his medication. He's just going to you know throw the shackles of this off, and he's going to have a 
regular life and he's just going to strive and he'll be fine. Um, and I just I find that offensive in a beautiful mm. mind uh, for not acknowledging the severity and the nature of what this is really like for someone. Uh, but be a beautiful mind. Unlike this movie, unlike a beautiful mind, was trying to be an action movie. So mm-hmm. beautiful mind, I find worse simply because it's more serious about the autism. In this, and it's a biography too. Well, not only that, exactly. it takes yeah. itself so seriously. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. why I put it under as well. You know, I mean, immediately as soon as he started drawing on the walls, I started. I thought of a beautiful mind right. and how much I hate right. that movie. Yeah, but this this is basically a beautiful born in that it's a beautiful yeah. mind. What if yeah. Jason Bourne, if his disability wasn't amnesia, it was autism? I mean, that's what they're doing here. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think he really needs to be like a real autistic person. I think he just needs to sell this idea that he's somehow magnetic to Anna Kendrick, mm. that he is super smart. Hidden uh, depths. Yeah, hidden depths exactly, and it's all for me. It's all hidden. I'm not seeing much depth, yeah, and that I might be seen. my baggage with Ben Affleck. I mean, I feel that that's a lot of what he does. You know, like I said, in the town, it's classic. Like the town is a role written for someone dynamic like Robert De Niro, and he's trying to play it all dark and brooding, and he just doesn't have that to him. So I just have a lot of that baggage with watching him act, I think. The baggage comes with every movie. Chris Markinson actually wrote in about this, and so one of his points was, so autism and things like that can be cured by making someone tough and having a dick for a father. Right. Um, so I think Chris is kind of along the same lines of what you guys are saying, and he doesn't buy Ben Affleck as the unstoppable killer. He just doesn't buy it. Well, and the thing is, like, if I were doing, like, if I was a script doctor, and I don't know, it, I think one of the things I was expecting from this movie, um, I, I kind of enjoyed this idea that it was selling of autism. That if he is to over, if like those overstimulation sequences, yeah. like if he does that enough and conditions himself, uh, then he can deal with this disability. Like that's kind of a cool idea yeah. that he's always got his autism lurking underneath that he's barely controlling it. And I thought at some point in this movie. Because we see when the overstimulation therapy isn't working for him. So I thought at some point he was going to crack as a super spy, and that was going to basically compromise his performance. Or he was going to be unable – like his autism was going to overcome him when he's in a super spy moment. And I I thought that would have been kind of interesting. Like uh, You're right. You're right. Yeah. And it it didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's like Marcus said. It's – yeah, it's just showing that yeah, if you're if you're tough and if your dad is a dick, like Markinson said, yeah, you can get over it and you can be fine during action sequences and stuff. Yeah, so, dad you know, is I right. I kind of agree with you because there, we never get that. There's that. There should be an analog to that puzzle piece moment in the beginning, like where where he totally yeah, breaks yeah. down, where he totally freaks and out. Exa- and you know what? His handler could have helped him with that. Like the dreamboat yeah. chick, like that could have been really cool. Like she, we, and then we sort of see she has special insight into his condition, and then the reveal at the end is even cooler because we know why she has special yeah, insight right. into his condition. And she can give uh, him a puzzle piece. I mean, as she, yeah, yeah. as is her role, yeah. instead of just um, being the yeah, I have the beholder. Uh, who's the is it Ka- Katie Lang and all of her cats and I the Beholder is yeah, the yeah. handler for Ewan McGregor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, uh, and would... I did I, I did like some of the action stuff. Like it's an action movie. I love the bit with the belt versus the knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the sniper gunfire stuff was kind of cool. Uh, at the end, it got really like they were doing way too much editing and too much fighting in dark rooms. <laughs> it's like, wait, come on, well, guys. I, I was able to forgive that because we had uh, a couple of open-air fights where I could actually see it happening. Like yeah, that, I, that whole truck fight and the, the belt thing that you're talking about. Um, I, I could see, okay, we're not trying to hide the fact that the actor can't do this. 
Um, the, the, these were stylistic choices later on in the movie. Uh, so well, not, it wasn't as frustrating for me as it usually is. Here's why, though, Ding, is because I couldn't help when, with a couple of those close range headshots, I couldn't help but think of John Wick. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, like that's a cool John Wick move. And in John, like I wanted to see more of that. Even in Agent 47, like this, this use of a gun, like just close up taking someone yeah, out, right. almost like as a knife. Uh, so when it started I, to become obscure in the dark, I. I, I was yeah, that just, apartment yeah. thing. I, li- I love that apartment thing. When he goes into her apartment and he just like dispatches all of those dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the yeah. way that works out, and, and I and actually I'm, really like that. I, you know, again, this is me. I guess being the Ben, ben Affleck apologist on the podcast, I, I like the way he delivers some of those lines. Uh, you know, they like you know from uh, you know I'm sorry or you know we have to go or whatever. There, there are a couple of like quick lines that he has to deliver that uh, that turn out to be funny, and he. You know, it's probably a, a function of editing, but I think that the timing was pretty good on those. Sure, sure. Yeah, but you're right. I like the the uh, the pacing too. Like that fight at the farm, it just sort of starts in mid event, which I I kind of like. Like you just see that they've already got them hostage, and right. we don't know where Ben Affleck is, right. and you think right. it's just going to be this drawn out thing where he's going to have to like tip to it, and he's already tipped to it, and just starts shooting. Him. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I also love, and I love this in a movie. With the way you hear the impact first and then the gunshot later, yeah, like yeah. The long range rifle. I love those yeah. little touches, like when somebody gets something like that right. Yeah, yeah. which it's, bothers me all the more when he, you know, because that's a that that sniper rifle is a fifty caliber Barrett rifle, and when he's standing up using it, that would have just knocked him backwards. Like that kind of bothered me, but that's just gun nerd stuff. But I love that big gun, and I love the way that they did the sound of being on the receiving end of, of sniper fire. Uh, so, did they say at the end? Like there's a bunch of there's a couple of dumb hardware things like the, the observation about the girl's computer being a 12 core water cooler rig that that could get into the back door of the Pentagon. Like oh my god, does nobody writing the script know how computers work? Uh, at one point during the briefing at the end, did they say that some of the men when they're talking to the press, some of the men had been killed with anti-aircraft rounds? Yeah. What was yeah, that about? I had, what? I had no idea what that meant. That was so weird. Was his dad in the Air Force? Or wait, I thought because is it like I thought the uh, Gatling gun was going to be a Chekhov's gun thing. Like yeah, we were going to end up getting to yeah. see that. Piece. So I wonder if maybe there was a cut scene where he whips that out at the end, and yeah. they thought making the movie because there's a gun like that in the nose of, a, of certain airplanes. Like, and I thought at the end of the movie they were going to assume that 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 that's what anti-aircraft round meant. Because there was nothing. Like, where does this idea of an aircraft? I didn't understand yeah. that line. So it did. Totally <laughs> lost by that that line as well. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I also thought when John Lithgow is up there explaining, you know, I do robotics. I help people. What have you ever done? When the bad guy's monologue has me thinking, you know, you kind of have a point. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably not what the script intended. Because John Lithgow, he did it. He, you know, they showed us like the awesome benefit that his robotics was doing for people. So when he gets up there and yeah. says, "I'm still doing good for people," it's not like like normally that's when the bad guy should come up and talk about how he's going to take over the world or something. But to actually yeah. point out that he's doing good. <laughs> yeah, I know. And all he's done that we're not supposed to like is he made that other guy kill himself, that, and we didn't like that character either. Right, right. right and he was right. crooked. So it's yeah. like Lithgow's not a. He's. I don't know. I think the problem for me is that Lithgow is just sitting there for 10 minutes watching the monitor instead of just leaving. 
I mean, he could just left. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's his character? If you don't want to be killed at that point, run away. Yeah. Why sure. didn't he just get the f out of there? I mean, <laughs> for me, it, it just reminded me of joke from The Incredibles, you know, about monologuing. Right. You know, like I'm going to sit here and watch monitors for ten minutes while these two dudes sit down and talk to each other, and then I'm going to walk in and give a monologue and get shot in the head. Yeah. All right, uh, Ke- Kelly, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, this is uh, this is uh, something that Chris Markinson is asking, and I want to direct it directly to you. Um, so, so Chris wants to know why everyone needs to be redeemed. Um, so that something that they did that appears to be bad was actually good. So, like, why can't somebody just do something bad and not have it actually really mean something noble? Medina, uh, who you refer to as um, Dandy Newton. Dandy Newton. Uh, yep. was in juvenile detention because of the drug dealer she beat up. Affleck gives right. all his money to the school. Um, <laughs> so Chris's point is, just let them be bad or selfish and go with it. Are you with him in that? Well, yeah. I mean, especially, it's supposed to be a thriller. Like, I don't need redemption in my... I don't want James Bond to be redeemed. And I don't want Gorn okay. to be redeemed. And they seem to be edging towards that, which kind of bums me out. Is like... They seem to think I want that. Or the native of us do. We don't. No redemption, and you can never have what you want. <laughs> it really was the great thing about La Femme Nikita is that she's just she just seems to be like, I'm gonna kick everybody's ass and then she gets you know, she gets reformed. But she's not doing all those things for a good reason. She's just she's like She's getting uh, paid now. Well, she's in a gang and she's knocking over a pharmacy because she's in a gang and they all want drugs. There's no, there's no like higher moral power involved. But Medina in this, she's doing it to save her sister, and uh, Affleck is doing all of this so that the school gets money. Well, and a couple yeah. differences, by the way. You know, that's uh, French cinema can do things that a mainstream Hollywood movie can't. You know, that's right. them right. for you. Uh, but why does that have to be the mainstream, though? Like, why do we have to have a... Because there is a perception that someone wrote studio notes into the script at some point. Yeah, I know. If it was any other way, somebody wrote studio notes saying, uh, we want this character to be sympathetic. You know, you have to explain that she was did a felon, she was a felon for a good reason, a noble reason. We can't just have that hanging over the head, you know. Right backstory. You know, that but that's was, a new thing. Like in, in French Connection, it's a new go, thing. hey, we got a Oh, well, no, no. That's a, 70 Cinema, Kelly, one was 70 Cinema. It's called that for a reason. Yeah, but these guys, like, don't they watch the – I don't I don't see why it has to be. Do you know how French Connection would tank if it came out today? Like, it, French Connection oh, wow. could only be made – It could only He's be right. made in France these days. Uh, Ironically. Yeah. Uh, can I do a good writing, bad writing thing with you guys real quick? Mm-hmm. Okay, good writing, bad writing is not to be used in any fiduciary, financial, academic, or medical capacity. It's strictly a subjective enterprise based on the perspective of one person with an advanced degree in an unrelated field, but from an accredited institution of higher learning that happens to be Ivy League. Although the findings of good writing, bad writing are negotiable, all decisions are final, official, and binding. Okay, Anna Kendrick's monologue uh, about the dress, and this is the only example. I'm not going to pull out individual lines. Uh, I'm curious what you guys thought about that monologue. Was that good writing or bad writing? I liked it. Okay, why? Because it had a twist ending. The, the idea she, that the, – the, go ahead. Well, she just got lucky at the end. Like she, okay. it was about she was going to use her accounting superpower, and it didn't work. So she wound up getting the dress okay. in some random goofball accident, which I thought was like, oh, okay. Tinkus, how did you? What did you think of that? 
Uh, I loved it until the ending. Um, <laughs> see? See, yeah. part of it is, you know, the Vera Wang dress um, has a specific um, a touchstone for me with the with the television show West Wing, because uh, there's a really great little uh, circuit with um, with Mark Harmon and uh, Allison Janney. Um, uh, where she goes to find the, a Vera Wang dress. So I love hearing the Vera Wang thing. And I love the way that all worked out. And, and when she said, and when, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Vera Cummings? Is that her name? Uh, Cummings. I can't remember her first name. Uh, Anna Kendrick's character. Um, oh, her name was Vera? Vera Cummings. Man, I had no idea, Dingus. You pay yeah, way more. He never calls her Vera, does he? No. Vera? It might not have been. No, it's not Vera. It's um, uh, Vera Wang is Vera. the dress. It's Dana. Dana coming. Sorry. Oh, I wish your name had been Vera. Now, like I would have liked yeah. that. Her um, name should be Vera. But when That's she gets to the to the end of that story and she says, "Yeah," and I and I lost it all. You know, I, I, you know, I think that's a great payoff. Uh, I think that's the end of the story. And then for the screenwriter to say, uh, "Yeah," and then, the I, then I dropped it on some slots and won two thousand dollars. Fuck that. No, screw that. The, the, Redemption. The, the best part of the story is that she didn't succeed. Um, that's the best oh. part of it. And, the, and she the, would tell that story to a stranger. She just be like, "Hey, you want to hear something cool that happened to me? I totally fucking lost it gambling." No, but, but what she learned out 10. of that would have been far more interesting than I plunked it into a slot machine, won two thousand dollars, and then went and bought the dress and gave the rest to charity or whatever the hell. I, I, I mean, as soon as as soon as we get to the slot machine part. I'm out. But up until that part, it's great writing. Kelly Wand, Dingus is right. I'm afraid you're wrong. I, I agree that it's the a story day. the story is basically uh, so the, the the folks that did a great movie with Ryan Gosling called Half Nelson, they yeah. recently did a movie called Mississippi Grind, which uh, has uh, uh, Ben Mendelsohn and, and Ryan uh, Reynolds in it. And Ben Mendelsohn is kind of a, a self-destructive character. He's great. Ryan Reynolds is this charismatic uh, fellow that he meets at a, at a casino, and they have this weird relationship. And Ben Mendelsohn's character is increasingly like desperate and out of control and self-destructive. And at the very end, in a last-ditch effort, he puts money improbably on one number on a roulette wheel, and he's going to lose it all, and it's going to ruin his life. This is his last chance, and the number hits, and he's fine, and that's the end of the movie. And it makes no sense. Like it completely undercuts any idea of there being uh, – of him being accountable for the things that he has done and the bad choices he's made. It's a terrible ending, and it invalidates this potentially decent movie that took place before it. And it's the same thing. Like what is the message? It's an anecdote about how she put a nickel in a slot machine and made a bunch of money. When you make it this this bit about her being like also super good at math, uh, like why does she tell that part of the story when – the story is she just happened to put a nickel in a yeah. slot machine and get a ton of money. Because other, what's how did how does that fit <laughs> to the story, Kelly Wand? Uh, it just means sometimes shit happens. So, <laughs> it's like a Shaggy Dog story, <laughs> and it made me like her character more. Like, but see, yeah, the thing so is, I lose her, I lose her. Yeah, but then I got lucky. What are you gonna do? Crazy. I, like Dinka said, if it had been that. This, that she lost, that she failed at this kind of mathematical outlook on the universe, that might have explained too why she's so fascinated with him. Yeah. You know, like, like, but, but no, she doesn't. The fact she didn't fail, like she got lucky and everything paid off. Like you said, Kelly Wan, any story, 
any story that has what you said there, oh, sometimes stuff happens. That's yeah. not a story. You don't have to tell me a story for me to know that. No, uh, but it was funny that it was that long a story, and then it was a shit happens kind of story. And the thing is, that. like, as, as, a, as a standalone story, Kelly Wan, I would agree with you, good writing. But in the context of this movie, whatever point it's trying to make and where it fits into this movie and who is delivering the story, I have to side with Dingus and say it's bad writing the, it's moment, the moment it becomes a story about a lucky payoff. It's about Kendrick winning a dress. I like that. I don't because there's – I don't know how to describe it. There's there's such joy when she gets to the point of the story where she says, yeah, and uh, and within two hours I was down to 20 bucks or whatever she says, whatever that line is. At that moment, there's there's like this burst of joy because it's, it's a weird reverse payoff, and you feel for her. I mean, it's this great moment. I, I just, I, I couldn't help but laugh, but not laugh at her, but laugh with her. Kind of like, oh my God, you tried so hard. You did all of these things. And I just felt so much joy at that moment. It's weird. And then as soon as she talked about putting the coin in the slot machine, all that joy went away. I hate her. No, I don't, I don't hate her. I hated the guy writing it because, mm. because uh. I, I was with her. I was with her for that whole story, and I was with her at that moment, and then she's like, yeah, and, yeah, well, I lost all that money. Um, I, I was like, yeah, now I want to be with you. I wanna, I'm leaning forward. I'm, I'm, I felt joy. I laughed. I, I just felt this cough of joy. It's weird. Uh, and, then the, and then like putting a, a – a, it just ruined it. Kelly Wan, to, here, here's your chance to make another point. I lied. There's going to be one more instance of good writing, bad writing I'm going to ask you about. Kelly Wand, I'm going to give you a line, and I want you to tell me why it's terrible writing. You ready for this? Uh, this is a yeah. line said in the movie. I'm going to find the person that did this and shoot them in the head. What's the problem with that line? It's ungrammatical. It's the person and them. And so. furthermore, it's the person that did this should be the person who did this. Yeah, there's two grammatical oh, yeah, errors in there. Yeah, there's I'm, two grammatical errors in there. Uh, that yeah, so uh, that that just drove me crazy at that point. Yeah, and it's supposed to be someone who's really precise about his word choices. Yeah. Although yeah, maybe but, if it's not math, he doesn't care. But oh, like he did, he doesn't care about grammar, grammar right? It, well, could it, okay. could that it's not just grammar? Could it be that he he sees people as things? No. See? It's- no, I will. I will not accept that. Dingus, you, that will not. As as is that what you propelled? Yeah, I'm going to give you studio notes, Dingus. That that we, we won't accept that interpretation. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, Jeffrey Tambor in prison. That's the. Uh, yeah, callback. In an orange jumpsuit without thinking about bananas. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and he's being serious, which is weird too. <laughs> Uh, when you need – this is the new enhance. This is actually better than enhance. Uh, face mapping, ASAP, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> that was great. Like, that's how the Department of Treasury works. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think face we know mapping. how the Department of Treasury works or, or the Department of Justice works this week. But that, those, those exclamation points were hilarious. Yeah, that was great. I did like that actress a lot. I don't, do we know her from anything, Dingus? <laughs> Uh, I think we do. I, I don't. I don't know actually. No, I liked her a lot because there's this kind of casting type in movies now that I really dig, where it's uh, it, it's a, a a beautiful ethnic woman uh, mm-hmm. as a competent like administrative figure. Uh, did either of you guys watch The Night of? Yeah, Not yet. Right. Uh, 
so there's there's a there's an Indian actress in there who has a great part. But uh, so the the woman in this reminded me we have a a woman running for a Senate in California named Kamala Harris. Uh, and there was uh, I think a, a, an attorney general in Baltimore uh, prosecuting the Freddie Gray case where the the guy died in the back of a police van. Uh, and her name is oh shoot I forgot her name Marilyn. I forget. But anyway, she's a stately, beautiful black woman uh, in that she's got oh, – well, until the, the case fell apart, she had this great career in, in Maryland politics. Uh, but I like that casting um, of just beautiful ethnic women as agency heads and stuff. So I, I really liked that actress. I don't know. Helping was, the white man not catch the other white man. Uh, well, just you – know, like, Taking what, what was, over. What was the – who was the chick in uh, – Oh shoot! In the um the last Bourne movie, who was like alongside the villain, Dead Comet. You guys know who I'm talking uh, about? The one who was always looking at monitors. Yeah, yeah. Him. Like I, I and, yeah, and I don't he dismissively referred like the villain dismissively refers to her as the girl or that girl, and we we mm. talked about that. Shoot, oh, who's that yeah. actress? She's a bitch for doing her job at the end of the movie. Well, oh, no, you know what? You know who that was? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's uh, the kind of role like that. that how could you forget? Yeah, she was terrible in that, but that's the kind of role that I would have liked to have like seen this girl from the night of, or this woman uh, in in this movie playing. Uh, oh God, that was Alicia Vikander. No wonder I couldn't remember her. Well, she was in. I didn't recognize her from anything because I think she's been in a lot of TV. I think she was a uh, oh. was somebody in one of the Star Trek movies, um, but just like a San Francisco woman, like kind of thing. Um, okay. But she reminded me of Marin Dungey, who is this great actress who is in. Uh, the television show Alias that I really really like, and every time I saw her, she was the she was the roommate, um, and turned out to be this really great double agent. Uh, that particular actress who was playing this part reminded me of of her, right, right, the woman from from Alias. Kelly Wan, uh, Dingus, and I have said our under is Beautiful Mind. What is your under for this? I did bad. Badass math nerd stories. Where you're supposed to go. So, beautiful mind is also your under. My under's falling down with Michael Douglas in the, that Schumacher movie. You like this the, more than falling down? Yeah, because the Duval character in that was really boring and on screen a lot more. And in this, it was J.K. Simmons, <laughs> and he was on screen. <laughs> but, All right, but, that was uh, Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Yeah. God. Tom yeah, likes the Joel Schumacher he was, movie. Yeah, well, I, I don't. I make no apologies about liking falling down. Uh, oh, you do? That's right. We've had you're that guy. Right. Tigerland too. Like Joe Schumacher has done. What's other non-awful stuff he's done? Ooh, Tigerland and falling down. That's all I can think of. What number twenty-three? That Jim Carrey horror movie? Try to finish it. I dare you. I, I haven't Try even tried to, to start it. it. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's even uh, got uh, Madsen in it. What's the cross-dressing Robert De Niro one? Oh yeah, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and and as a crossdresser, I like that one as well. It's called like the Dude Upstairs, or I don't know what that one's called. I like that one though. That's my name for a racer head. <laughs> uh, Dingus, this one's. Oh my you. over. Okay. Wait, wait, wait uh, my, look, Kelly, one, we got to go in order here. Oh, I'm sorry. Structure this podcast. How I did it. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> my over and Dingus, this is for you. Piece is missing. About a uh, a super spy who's got some sort of a disability he's working against, but he's still really good at his job. Uh, and his disability in my over is that he's a dumbass. My over is MacGruber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's the over for every movie. <laughs> Dingus, what's your over? What's a movie that's slightly better uh, than The Accountant? You're all so, wet. All right. Um, my over, and this is way over, uh, although I did really like the I did really like the accountant much more than you guys did. Um, uh, my over would be Goodwill Hunting, uh, because uh, Ben Affleck is in that as well, but playing uh, the guy who has to manage uh, the guy who has the disability or the difficulty. Oh, he's the he's the Tom Cruise in Rain Man in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, sort of, yeah. Okay. Um, he's he's the. I mean, and I watched that again, and man, I got to tell you. I'm such a sucker for that movie. Uh, I was kind of bawling watching this movie again, especially considering what what's happened since the last time I saw it uh, for for Robin Williams. Um, there, there's a lot there's a lot of reasons, I guess, to be dismissive about Goodwill Hunting, but I think it's really a really good movie, and um, and I I like the things that Ben Affleck is trying to do in this movie. Um, he's not the actor that Matt Damon is by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and when you watch uh, Matt Damon dealing with the problems that he has to deal with, um, as this guy who just has this ability to do these things, he just he see he he can just do them. Uh, and the way that the movie breaks that down and explains it is really quite wonderful. And the way that Ben Affleck deals with him um, in Goodwill Hunting and trying to help his friend uh, and um, just be his friend. And also, you know, Casey Affleck is freaking great in the movie, too. He's and, in Goodwill uh, Hunting? Why yeah, did you guys never tell me this? You guys never tell me these things. Um, there, there's four friends that they are the main friends, and it's Ben Affleck, who's kind of the leader of the group, um, and Matt Damon, who's like his right his his wingman basically his right his right hand dude. Uh, Casey Affleck is the kind of the dingus of the group, the guy everybody makes fun of, uh, and then also Cole Hauser weirdly is there. Like, oh. It's so weird seeing Cole Hauser just sort of crop up. And Wait, is that the guy in the insurance commercials and from the the Riddick no. movies? He's, oh. No, no, that's not him. Who's uh, Cole Hauser? Um, Cole Hauser was in like uh, Stealth, I think maybe. Uh, he, he's he's the son of Wings Hauser. Uh, he's been in a lot of like action movies and those kinds of things. He's he's usually the guy who turns out to be the the bad government dude who who has to get shot at the end. Um, okay. Uh, if you if you look that's up the, if you look him up, you'll immediately immediately recognize okay. him. And right. it's just funny that he's one of these Saudi dudes uh, in Boston. Um, and Stella, um, yeah, Stellan Skarsgård's in there as well. I mean, not in the group, but he's like a math professor. Um, <laughs> that would be kind of creepy. That would be really creepy and weird. And Minnie Driver's awesome in the movie. Um, so I, I actually, I really, really do love Good Will Hunting quite a bit. But the reason I choose it is because of this weird sort of mathematical connection um, and how Ben Affleck's character has to deal with that as opposed to how he deals with his weird uh his weird way of dealing with being on the spectrum or being uh, having autism or having Asperger's and talking about mathematicians all the way through the movie and how uh you know that's how he's eventually found in all of those things so that's why I linked these two movies so Kelly Wand, uh, the accountant is, according to Dingus, just slightly not as good as Goodwill Hunting. No, other than what I said. <laughs> other than MacGruber, Kelly Wand, <laughs> what's a movie that's somewhat better than The Accountant? 
in keeping with my theme of badass math nerd movies, my favorite in the genre is Into the Night. He's a badass math nerd, the John Landis thing with Jeff yeah. Goldblum. I love that movie. It really holds up for me because it is it's super redemption free. Like he <laughs> at the end, he's got Michelle Pfeiffer, and they're kind of you, they don't really trust each other, but then they team up to like get. I don't know. They just only care about getting the money at the end of the movie. I feel like that should be a sticker on the box of the DVD, like with a little like a spiky orange sticker. It should say "Now Super Redemption Free." Yes, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you, Tom. I totally agree. So, uh, uh, one, are there any important wait, life wait, lessons before there? before you go? Oh, there. yeah. Whoa, hold whoa, on. So, yeah, hold just on, one Kelly second. Kelly one something that, There's something that Chris Barkinson said that I really, really love because I thought of this immediately, and I totally agree with him. Um, and I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. This is something that. Uh, anyway, what he says is um, that he would have liked the ending better if the painting was just dogs playing poker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm totally with him. That's what and, I would have done. Yeah, yeah. Give her my Pollock. And as she was starting to like scratch it, it was like, just let it be dogs playing poker. While we were sitting there, I was thinking that, and then it, that went away. And then when I read Chris's email, I was like, yes, Chris, thank you. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, here's another example of where I'm really dumb. Uh, once I realized it wasn't just going to be dogs playing poker, I thought he had given her his Renoir. Because she's like touching at it. She went that's to touch the she Renoir liked. earlier in the movie. She touched that one. And well, so I thought we were going to find that somehow it was like dogs playing poker painted over a Renoir. Yeah, I thought she was going to start like uh, just um, like wetting her finger to remove the paint, not ripping it apart. But the reason – I think the reason it's the Pollock is that he won't sell the Pollock. That's you know what right. he's talking about the whole. But what if she just turns away, around and sells it? She might just turn around and sell but, it. Though. But but when she's when she's in his trailer, the 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 point she makes is tell me that's not an original. I mean she right she's she's amazed by the Renoir, but she makes a point of saying tell me that's not an original. But if he's so uptight about being sold, he probably doesn't want to give it to someone he doesn't know very well. I'm just saying. But she deserves wow, Tom. She serves World of Warcraft. But the poker dog is more of a wow. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, feet apart, not free, getting down with three feet, everybody loves Oh, wait, I had a Britney line. Ah, well, Kelly if what would it have been if you hadn't have said that about dogs playing poker? Heavy sighs are the only kind I can evoke from women. Yep, glad I hit the music when I did. <laughs> <laughs> really? That was some, all right. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I afflicted the delivery. Dingus, what is this week's three by three? In case Kelly wants to get back at me for saying that to him. Tough right. room. These are your get best. It. Your best revenge in movies. Hmm? Uh, I am introducing next week's topic, so I'm going to go first. I did revenge in movies where it demonstrates that the revenge is uh, hollow or ineffectual or unfulfilling, that the revenge is ultimately a mistake, hmm. and cautionary tales about revenge. Uh, and my number three is uh, Unfor- is it the Unfor- yeah, just Unforgiven, uh, the Clint Eastwood movie where the prostitute gets cut up, 
and uh, is it Frances O'Connor? What the, what's that actress's name? She, anyway, one of the other prostitutes puts together a lot of money, and they hire an assassin to kill the guy who cut her up because she wasn't happy with the level of justice that was applied. And this leads to a chain of re- revenges, like her revenge, uh, that gets Morgan Freeman killed, and then uh, Clint Eastwood has to avenge Morgan Freeman's death, and he kills Gene Hackman. Uh, and ultimately, the movie is the undoing of, of William Money. Like he had sworn to his wife he would be a good person and he wouldn't drink, and all of that goes out the window uh, for the sake of revenge. Uh, and that's such a staple of westerns too. Like so many westerns have this sense of frontier justice and, and honor back then. Uh, and I love how Unforgiven turns that on its head. Deservin's got nothing to do with it. Exactly, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, what is a, your third favorite revenge in a movie? My theme was um, you don't know the whole movie's about revenge till the end. Mm-hmm. This, these might be spoilers. <laughs> like in Jaws, the revenge. But that's not my number three. <laughs> nope, I've already put you down for it. What? Oh, sorry. Damn yeah. it. All right, you just got hit by Tom's boat. <laughs> that's uh, Jaws 4, Dingus. Oh, sorry. Which is the revenge. What? Yeah, three's best Armstrong, bro. John, you know, three is oh, 3D. Jaws right, right. four is revenge. Dennis All right, what I meant to say is, thing is how does the how does the shark die in Jaws three? That's what I meant to say. It's, they all he, die in the same order as the he, Deep Blue Sea. Oh, never mind. He takes an overdose. It's weird. Because <laughs> he's depressed about the box office of the first, <laughs> the second one. No, because he hates 3D so much. He's like, oh, oh man, nobody see. can see me. Everything's murky and dark. Overdose. When you throw up, it's in 3D. My number three is uh, Old Boy. The the good one, not the Spike Lee one. Because at the end, you find out. It's kind of a spoiler, but you learn that the main character has had revenge conducted on him the whole movie mm-hmm. in a in a creepy way. And so, Kelly Wan, I'm about to get revenge on you for scratching your mic so much. Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, is sorry. It, is it I don't know. Your- in your pants or something? What's going on over there? I think it's my beard. Euphemisms. Yeah, Kelly Wan, you need to shave. Okay, how's this? That's much better. Uh, all right, so that. old boy, that's there's, there's a that's a part of a revenge trilogy, Kelly Wand. Oh, it is. Did you use all three of those? No. Okay, because uh, my favorite is uh, the the sympathy for Lady Vengeance one. All right, whatever, nerd. <laughs> it, it's not it's not being a nerd that's what i think of knowledge take that <laughs> dingus third favorite revenge in a movie all right um here's a quote from it there's not a lot of money in revenge so uh since there's a ton of revenge movies i'm not going to wait for you guys to guess because that would just be weird um, no it, it's uh <laughs> this is totally it, it, I think the two of you are going to think this is dumb, but I don't care because I watched this movie again this week um, uh, with my girlfriend and her son, and uh, it just happened to be – I wasn't even thinking. This movie wasn't even on my radar. It was not on my radar at all as far as revenge is concerned, which is totally dumb for me. Um, but uh, I suggested, okay, let's have a let's have a movie night, and um, and so – uh, her son's like, let's do this movie. And I'm like, all right, yeah, we, I've seen it a ton of times. So that, that'll be fun. Let's watch it. And then all of a sudden, 
it occurred to me, holy cats, this is a perfect revenge. Uh, this is a perfect example of revenge in a movie and in a movie I absolutely love. And this is The Princess Bride. Um, and this, of course, would be the character in Diego Montoya, uh, whose life um, has been consumed with with uh, training himself and preparing himself to take revenge upon the killer of his father. And um, I, I'm, so, I'm so surprised that when I uh, launched this topic, uh, this didn't even occur to me. Uh, because the Dread Pirate Robert's ship is called Revenge. <laughs> Um, and of course, Inigo Montoya's character is all about revenge. And one of the things I love about this, and this is why I really like the way Tom is going with this topic, is that when he finally gets to that moment where he can, where he meets the six-fingered man, he uh, basically fails. He's about to fail, and uh, and the six-fingered man count whatever his name is, uh, Count Drugan says, um, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. You failed after all of this. That's such a beautifully painful moment where, you know, he, he's charged into the room. Uh, Count Drugan has, has thrown dagger into the, into his stomach. Basically what we think is, is killing him and, and making this whole life quest, Meaningless. His whole life has been spent just trying to find the killer of his father. And now it looks like he's died. And this weird sadist is like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And he loves he loves the moment. And of course, because it's a goofy, weird, uh, crazy movie, um, Mandy Patinkin, uh, Inigo Montoya, is able to power through getting stabbed in the gut. Uh, and And exact his revenge um but it's a weird heightened strangeness uh so i kind of like the way tom's going with this more than the way i'm going with this um but i could not veer away from uh veer on princess bride yeah vera wang away from this uh princess bride thing i just i I love it so freaking much i love i love that whole thing i love that like um stop saying that Stop saying those words. I, I just, I, I, I freaking love the way that William Goldman writes all of that stuff. Is uh, Princess Bride uh, redemption free, Kelly Wand? The book is. It ends with <laughs> them in mid chase. Oh, is that true? Movie. Yeah. The book like is her, amazing. Yeah, the book's really good. The book is one of these few things. These few, uh, I can think of uh, like a few books that I laughed so hard. Uh, while I was reading it, that I couldn't keep reading the book, um, and that rarely yeah. happens. But and, and the way that the sword fight is uh, explained or uh, not explained, but written, uh, is a, is just freaking amazing in the book. The book is a great book. How do you write a good sword fight? That seems like how would how would you possibly do that? I don't know. He does it. It's true. He, he does it. They're all different. Yeah. But he's it's, just writing, and he swung to the left, and then he blocked to the left, and then so he swings to the right, and then he ducks when he swings over his head. Yeah. How do you write a sword fight? Well, it, 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 because of the they way talk. he he the way he's able to get away with commenting upon what he's writing. Um, I think is is the key to that because you know Princess little, Bride is like your- is is written by S. Morgenstern. It's not written by William Goldman. Um, so, but he's commenting upon what's happening, and the way he does that, he he just gets away with it. 
I don't know how okay. to explain it, but man, it works so freaking well. And I'll only read it if you Peter... think uh, there's no way you can you can really film this and and make it work. And yeah, somehow Rob Reiner gets away with it too. Sure. There's one part where he's all like, the next chapter in the book's all about uh, wedding preparations and banquet catering shit. So just what with one thing or another, three years passed. That's what I'm like. <laughs> Grandpa told me at the time, and now I see why, because the book's really boring there. Well, I'm going to take us as far away from Princess Bride as humanly possible with my number two example of revenge. And it's a little movie, Dingus, that you might not want to watch with your girlfriend and her son called Irreversible. Uh, and that is one of my second favorite example of revenge because uh, you, you don't entirely know what it's revenge for, or what it's revenge about. Its story is told backwards. Um, but you find out later on, one of the last things you discover in the movie, or one of the later things you discover in the movie, is that Vincent Casal and his buddy, uh, his buddy specifically, has killed the wrong person, hmm. uh, and they and has no idea. Like it's it it turns out to be a movie about revenge for a rape. Uh, Vincent Casal fails at trying to get the revenge, and he gets his arm broken, and his mild-mannered buddy, and they'd had a discussion about this before, about brutality and, and manliness, uh, takes a fire extinguisher and murders a man by smashing his face, and then later on we discover, oh, that's not the guy who did the, the crime. They killed the mm-hmm. wrong person. They, they, they ruined their revenge. Just like Spider-Man. It's exactly like Spider-Man. Wait. How is it like Spider-Man? Wait, <laughs> I don't know. Did you kill the wrong burglar? You find out later. Oh, in one of the uh, I is see that a retcon? Yeah, I think so. So, so that's not awful. the way that Spider-Man historically dealt with Uncle Ben's killer. Yeah, yeah, the burglar was someone else. It's like, what well, that, that's good, Tom. Oh, I just you know, I, if Gaspar Noe ever does a sequel to Irreversible, uh, Vincent Cassel's <laughs> buddy could go on to be Spider-Man. Like that could be, like, this could have been an origin story for Gaspar Noe's Spider-Man. I don't want to see that fucking thing. <laughs> I don't think I've seen Irreversible more than once. Um, eh, yeah, I'm not sure I have either. Well, I think I've seen it twice. But it's not a movie you want to sit down and watch over and over. It lives up to the title. <laughs> One of the things I remember that really stuck with me, and I and I actually, I think Irreversible is a really good movie, and um, although very hard to watch, is that moment where he's pounding the dude's head with the fire extinguisher and the guy who actually killed him or who actually yeah. is, is looking rapist. on the rapist yeah. is looking on and he has this look of of weird um, ecstasy on his face where he's like oh my god this is so interesting he's brutalizing this dude it's like he's almost getting off on it uh, I, I don't know if that's true or if that's just what I remember. But well, no, no. I mean, he's clearly like a, a sadist, and that's you know that's part of what was going on with the rape of Monica Bellucci. And he, like, as far as I can tell, he has no idea why this is happening. Or like, right? He, he, he just relate. thinks, hey, it's, this is fun. Someone's getting his head bashed in with a fire extinguisher. Like, he doesn't know that the wrong person's being punished for his rape. I don't think. Oh, uh, I guess you're right, and I, I guess I interpret. We as the it. audience know. Like, we yeah. as the audience see that it's the wrong person. That the uh, but I don't. He has no idea. He just thinks these guys came screaming into this gay bar and murdered someone with a fire extinguisher, and one of them got his right. arm broken. Like he. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's right. I, I interpreted it. I, I think that might be through the lens of having to digest this movie, and it took a long time to digest it. Uh, of him, see, of him 
looking at it is like, ha ha, you killed the wrong person. But it, that, that can't be it at all. You know, you might, I'm thinking now, I could be like, is there dialogue to the effect of, ah, you raped my girlfriend, I'm going to beat I you up? Like, I, I don't think there is. I think it's just screaming and punching he, and arm breaking. And yeah, I, I, I don't think he does know that that's why the guy was killed. But he just takes fire. such weird, perverse joy out of watching this guy right. who I thought was his friend or, or somebody who, who was related to him in some way. Uh, getting his head pummeled, which, you know, even just thinking about it, I mean, I've only seen that movie one time, but I can, I can absolutely remember every, almost every frame of that, that fire extinguisher smash, the way that, the way that they did that practical effect, which I think was a practical effect. Like, of, uh, of, there's of actually just the head being smashed. Uh, there's a fair amount of CG, believe it or not, in Irreversible, right. actually. Like, because the CG of, out, yeah. the film crew, anytime it's caught, uh, the, the rapist penis is actually CG. Uh, oh. So, yeah. yeah All right, well, maybe that's not then. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't doubt, Dingus, that there's a, a pounding on a practical thing, but I, I think they cut in at some point from the real guy's head to whatever they were using for the impact of the fire exchange. It's a C-genus. <laughs> what? <laughs> the penis. Penis, the genus. That's just weird, Kelly Wand. What? So, <laughs> that makes total uh, sense. A CG, oh, like a CG penis is a C genus? Yeah, a C genus. Mm, yeah, no, it's too obscure. Man, Always it, 3D. It's so, it, it, it makes my skin crawl just talking about this movie, but I, I have such high regard for it, which is weird. Kelly Wand, if you want to see a real penis, you should see Gaspar Noe's latest movie. There's a lot or of watch that which is not CG. There's none. It's an actual penis, not a CG penis. If you want to yeah, see a real penis, <laughs> I never get to see a real one. I have to go to movies for. Also, go to American I, Honey or Shame. Or Shia LaBeouf yeah. in uh, *Nymphomaniac*. If you want to really see more of his penis than you saw in *American Honey*. Carpet matches the drapes. Leon, <laughs> what's the second favorite <laughs> revenge in a movie for you? My number two favorite revenge story is from the motion picture election because it fits my theme. You don't know it's revenge till the last scene because it's like the janitor's revenge on Matthew Broderick's character for Matthew Broderick missing the trash can at the beginning of the movie. It's like this cupcake. Sure. What do, what do we learn from that, Kelly Wand? We learn that you sh- actions have consequences, which is what he's always telling Reese Witherspoon. And that's why you get stung by a bee. Because if you go into a backyard where a bee is, you'll get stung by it. That's an action that has a consequence. And if you throw a sandwich, you better make sure you miss it. Or wait, you should miss it. What's the rule? You don't want to not miss it. Wait. Or if you do miss it, make sure that it's not a vindictive janitor who's having to clean it up. Yeah, make sure he doesn't see it's you. Yeah, right. Because he knows that an election's coming up. He could call me. Right. Yeah. That's my number uh, two. Very good. Dingus. Second favorite revenge in a movie. All right, here's a quote from it. So start with this, because the car doesn't count. So this Kucho? is from, this is from the movie John Wick. Very close, Kelly Wan, Cujo. Um, yeah. uh, so she's saying, so start with this, because she's giving him a dog, uh, because she's telling him that he needs to find something to love. Uh, so start with this. Um, his wife's died uh, and has bequeathed to him uh, a puppy um, after her death 
and she's telling him in a letter that he needs to find something to love. Uh, so start with this because the car doesn't count. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm hard pressed to say what we talked about when we talked about John Wick um, on the podcast. Uh, you know, sometimes, and I feel really weird about this uh, when I read a review or think about. You know, or we do a review here. Uh, after seeing a movie a couple more times and and a couple of years have passed, my opinions might change over time uh, because a review is kind of a snapshot of where you were at that time. Um, I'm really crazy about the movie John Wick. The more times I've seen it, the better. Uh, the more I cr- the more crazy I get about it. And so uh, this. Um, this sense of revenge in this movie is not just about him tracking down uh, this guy who killed his dog or stole his car. Um, I, I honestly think that uh, what this movie is trying to do and what, what John Wick is, is, is doing, um, perhaps, uh, I, don't, I, I don't want to say ineffectually, but... Um, in a sort of like screaming at the heavens kind of way, is is taking revenge against God almost, or against the universe, or against fate, for taking his wife from him. Uh, there's there's no one who can pay for that. She got sick and she died, um, and that's that. Uh, and then she gave him this dog, and that was taken from him. And this other thing that he loved, this object that he loved, and would never part with for any amount of money was also taken from him in his car. But I think in tracking down the killer of his dog, he's really he's working out other anger issues that deal with uh, fate and God and the universe. Um, and uh, perhaps that's a highfalutin way of looking at John Wick. Um, but damn, I, I fucking love this movie so much. And this idea of him I mean I I have a personal connection with this because I have a dog and I understand that connection and if somebody you know were to hurt my dog I would want to beat the hell out of them but I I wouldn't shoot everybody in the world and shoot them in the head because that's not really the way you react to those kinds of things but I think this is John Wick reacting to the universe um, and trying to take revenge in that way also Dingus you don't have that kind of training that's a good point (laughs) Where do you receive his training? I'm not in Chechnya, certainly. Pakistan, Uh, Afghanistan, Chechnya. Uh, Asgard. Can't why? When did it become like? Maybe it was Constantine, but it's hard to remember a time where I I was dismissive of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like I really like what he's doing in that, and that also makes me think like he's also so laconic and kind of impassive, and like. I mean, he's not playing someone with Asperger's syndrome, but like, why can't why can't Ben Affleck be more like that? Yeah, you know, that's a really <laughs> good point, actually, Tom. Uh, and one of the things I, I I do remember saying on the podcast was was how he really seems to be stretching and trying in that torture scene where he's uh, where he's like screaming and he's actually trying to flex his muscles a little bit. But even in his quieter moments, you're right; he actually shows depth. I kind of want you guys to see a movie called Knock Knock. Kelly Wan, do you know what this is? Uh, I don't see movies where the t- you say the title twice. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Eli Roth movies? Mm, they're hit and miss, but without the hit part yet. 
yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, knock Knock is an Eli Roth movie, but it's uh, it, I know, right? That's the correct response. Ugh. Doesn't but, Knock Knock uh, that what it says on the Expendables battering ram? <laughs> and also, yeah, says remember? Very good, very good. Um, I totally remember it's, that. It's a movie where, where Keanu Reeves plays basically the victim in kind of a slasher movie. Uh, that's uh. all I'll say about that. But he's really, it is, it is, it's really uh, just fun to watch him doing what what Eli Roth asks him to do and not. Wait, not. Keanu is? Yeah, yeah. He's good in the gift too. He plays an asshole right, uh, redneck. Right. And Affleck can't do that. So. Uh, yeah, sure. Right, right. Well, probably he wouldn't want to do that. Affleck only really played one asshole ever, and it was in Days and Confused, and he griped about it later. That like, yeah, everyone was like, well, except me, I didn't get shit out of it. Everyone Couldn't you say me. Batman? Batman's kind of an asshole. He's actually he great in that movie. He's great as that asshole. Yeah, he's he's, he's perfectly cast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Super convincing. It's just saying, good he's acting. So hateable. I mean, yeah. He's the only villain. <laughs> Kelly, Wand, I told Dingus about this, but similar to John Wick, there's uh, uh, Ty West has just released a new movie called In a Valley of Violence. Have you heard huh. of this? No. So it's Ethan Hawke with a is a, is in the old west and he's got this really cool dog that does tricks and is super smart and he's just on the run from some unspecified crime uh, and he's got this cool dog with him. Uh, and they even do the stupid thing where he's taught, like the dog understands English. Like they have the dog do tricks in response to what Ethan Hawke is saying. Like Ethan Hawke yeah. at one point says, oh, we better watch out. And the dog does that thing where it puts its paw on top of its eyes. Like it's that kind of movie. What? Like that. Like yeah. fire? That's the tone that it's setting. Uh, Holy shit. So, so Ethan Hawke blows into a town where John Travolta is the sheriff and James Ransone is the sheriff's asshole son. And mm. uh, Vera Farmiga's dreadful sister is like the love interest. <laughs> uh, and it ends up being a revenge story, uh, kind of like an unforgiven John Wick thing. And it's Ty West, so well, it's I was like Judge Dreadful Sister. Okay, what? Uh, it's it's okay. just it, well, at any rate, uh, you don't have to see in a valley of violence. It's terrible. Don't see it. Yeah, it's just oh, it, it's it's almost like something that would be on the Sci-Fi Channel. Terrible. Oh, yeah. it's it's Ty West. It's so sad. Horror movie directors uh, flame out fast. Well, I, I don't know. He just said he wanted to do a Western, and I was like, maybe he should have just stuck with horror. And it tries to be horrific, like with the violence, but yeah. Mm. So. Wait, like Bone Tomahawk? Tries to be. Um, not quite that bad, but it's definitely wanting to be uh, – like it's definitely R-rated with like gunshots and terrible things happening to different people. and um, not Not like horror movie, but just like doing – you know, dispatching very violently the various characters. Mm, right. Um, yeah. Well, that's uh, one of the things I love about John Wick is how well it, it works through all that choreography and how it dispatched. I mean, you brought it up when we were talking about um, the accountant. Uh, it just handles it so much, so much better. Though the way he just does all of those headshots, like it's just so precise and weird and just disgusting. Not disgusting, but um, scary. I, I don't know. Just that whole idea of like shooting somebody in the head at close range, just just to make sure. I got the feeling that Gavin O'Connor has seen John Wick. Yeah, I got the feeling too. <laughs> um, and, and again, I was I was reminded of, and this is something I'm just pulling out out of sort of the files here. Um, when we did weapon reloading, 
Uh, I think one of Chris Morgenson's favorite ones was the John Wick thing. And I couldn't really remember what he was talking about at the time uh, when you were reading out the, the lists of these things. And I think he put up a, a gif of it. But watching that, the, the calm way he does that particular weapon reload in John Wick, the, this, John Wick is just superbly directed. It's superbly choreographed. Dingus knows, but it's done by stuntmen, not directors. How could that possibly be true? I know. That's so weird. And I think the same people are doing Chapter 2. But, yeah, I'm just such a huge freaking fan of that movie now. You know what, though? Chapter 2 is coming out in early 2017, like like almost January early. You know what that means? That means the gray. Exactly. If you knew that, Kelly Wand, movies in January are going to be as good as the gray. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) Kelly uh, Wan, my favorite, my favorite hollow, ineffectual, uh, ultimately it was a mistake, revenge. Um, and I had to go back and watch the end of this to sort of remember how it played out. Uh, Robert Pattinson is sitting in a dusty pickup listening to Pretty Girl Rock. Oh and at that moment, he decides, and I didn't really realize this until I went back just to make sure. At that moment, he decides, listening to that song – and you don't know what his – like he's definitely got some mental disability as well. You don't really know specifically what it is. But Robert Pattinson plays it clearly. And while he's listening to that song, he decides he's going to kill his brother Henry. And I, I wasn't sure when that happened or how explicit he was about that. But it's right after that music. He turns the, the, the car off and the music shuts down, and he walks over to Guy Pierce, who, who he thinks is sleeping. But Guy Pierce is awake and knows that he's going to tell him something, and he says, I'm going to kill Henry. And, and Guy Pierce at this point could have said, you know, no, that's not what we're doing, or why you want to kill him. Guy Pierce just says, go to sleep. Right? And, oh, and he man. says, I decided I'm I'm going to kill him tomorrow. Uh, and plus, if you come with me, there's a lot of money for you. And uh, you know, and and Guy Pierce again just says, go to sleep. Right? And then when they get to the house, Guy Pierce gets in the car and he could easily drive away and just call it quits. But he goes inside with Ray, and. I still am not sure. Like this is one of the things I love about the rover, is there's so much cool stuff about different characters' motivations and what we discover about Guy Pierce's motivation at the end. But there's still so much left to interpretation about what Guy Pierce thinks is going to happen by him not driving away, by him bringing Henry inside and giving him, uh, bringing Ray inside and giving him instructions to assemble everyone into one room, mm-hmm. and how that doesn't work, and how Ray has convinced himself, partly because this is what Guy Pierce's character has told him, mm-hmm. has convinced himself that, that Henry betrayed him and left him to die and abandoned him. And Ugh. when when Ray sees Henry, Henry has no concept of that. He's like, why are you pointing the gun at me? I'm your brother. Put it down. I'm glad. You know, like he's glad to see him, but he's not sure why he's got a gun at him and who's in the other room and what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and Ray doesn't back down. Like he accidentally fires the gun. Because he's he's not known for his gun discipline, and it's happened earlier that someone gets killed because he's sloppy with a gun. The gun goes off. He doesn't in, he doesn't intentionally shoot Henry, but but he's there thinking he's going to get revenge, and he's just he's paralyzed. Like he can't he, he's not sure what to do, and he's so confused. And his gun goes off, and it just gets him killed when uh, when Scoot McNary shoots him through the throat. Um, but just hmm. that that idea that this character has decided that yep. Guy Pierce is right. My brother abandoned me. I'm going to get revenge. And he even says, too, and I didn't catch this, there's even a line where he says, you're supposed to take care of me just like Pa told you. And I didn't remember any specific dialogue about their father 
or any of their their backstory before this heist that they've just come back from. Um, so that's that's my favorite example of of revenge and how it's ultimately foolish and, and hollow. Um, Harsh. Damn, that's such a great pick because I never would have thought of that in a million years. Um, but it's, it's the thing is, it's not like you're also like thinking Guy Pierce is out for revenge. Like you're wondering what's right. driving this guy, and he's totally right. like some kind of a Western game revenge. And is he just mad that they stole his car? Uh, but yeah, that's that's not his motivation at all. Uh, but what's great about it is how the way you frame it, Tom, it kind of highlights that sort of weird pettiness um, that we deal with in relationships sometimes, where we imagine something that's going on that's not. You know, where we work up in our in our minds you know, this this thing that somebody has done against us. Where where and the way you talk about the, the brother, Scoot McNary, is like I didn't even what you know. Yeah, because he thought he was dead, and suddenly he wakes up one morning, and there he is standing there holding a gun on him. Yeah, yeah he has no yeah. idea what's going on. Yeah, that's a really oh man it, for your your way of framing the topic. I really, really love that. I love that idea of that whole, like, uh, I I had all this thing worked up in my head, and it turns out that that's not really reality. Well, and when you think about it, too, like, Guy Pierce has to cultivate this to yeah, get yeah. Ray to lead him to yeah. him. Like, Guy Pierce has to feed him this fantasy. Your brother abandoned you. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, this this is something that happened. This is This is how you should look at it. Don't protect your brother. He didn't protect you. He didn't stay there for you. Like, he's got to use that. He doesn't know, but he's got to use that. Against Ray, so that Ray will take him to Henry. Yeah. Right, and I think we we when we talked about this movie, and I kind of forgot this. Um, we kind of talked about that idea of of Guy Pierce being like the alpha dog and breaking him down and making him his, you know, part of his pack and saying, "All right, now you're going to be my dog," um, and that's totally in line with what you're saying. But that's also I think there's also sort of a real like relationship uh, world analog that idea of the of the things we tell ourselves that are going on but aren't really going on aren't really realistic. Um, man, I really like this pick. And I'm convinced, having now seen it several times, and I, I will readily concede it's ambiguous and open to interpretation. But I'm convinced for for my read of what's going on. That Guy Pierce isn't interested in killing anyone. That he's going to bring them together and basically turn Ray over to Henry. Uh, that he's not going in to kill these guys because he specifically says to Ray, you know, get them together in the same room. I don't want any shooting. Oh, uh, like he 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 could they could just go in and just bang bang. You know, they're sleeping and just kill them like that. But Guy Pierce's plan is wake them up, bring them in the same room. Don't shoot. <laughs> and, you know, what does he plan on doing? Like summarily executing them? No, that's not in his interest. Like, he, So I, I think he's like he's going for some kind of redemption at that moment. I think that's Does he feel like revenge? That, well, he, well, he doesn't, you know, his whole backstory is that he killed someone who, uh, who mm-hmm. he loved. Right. Um, yeah. And he's about to watch someone else do the same thing. So I'm convinced at this point in the movie it's not explicit and there's no – dialogue between them where he says, yeah, I'm looking for redemption. Uh, I, I'm convinced that that's what he has in mind, that he wants to go in and and disabuse Ray of this idea that he'd been giving him. And yeah. it you know it, it falls apart, and which is why it's so devastating to him. Yeah. yeah. Kelly Wand, what's the best revenge in all of motion pictures from all time? 
That's what I went for is the ultimate revenge where you can't get revenge back on the vengeance taker. So the one I thought of first was Dangerous Liaisons because at the end, Malkovich burns Glenn Close by exposing her. But he also dies, which means she can't ever revenge him because he's dead. It's pretty clever. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's also like, you'll never have – and remember all those good times we had? Now meaningless and you can't taunt me because I'm dead. Second, I, I got the last word right. Yeah, it's the ultimate win. So, and although it is redemption, but it's redemption I approve of because it's cold, heartless redemption, which is now, totally good. Unfortunately, Kelly Wand isn't dangerously as in a play in that a movie. Well, I'm talking about. I should say I've only I've only seen the sequel, Cruel Intentions, but <laughs> it's Ryan Philippe, which sounds French. So, Ryan Philippe, one of the stars of MacGruber. Yeah, yeah, he's our Malkovich, right? It all—he's all wet. See, that's, I that's wanted to choose Titus, wedding. but I didn't choose Titus because it's a play. Yeah. Oh. Uh, wait, I thought it was a TV show. Dingus, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, wait a minute. What is it? There's no what, what? The thing with Titus Welliver—is that what you're thinking of? It's not called Titus. It was like no, a sitcom on Fox about a grouchy blonde dude. Yeah. Like it was a, a plumber. Si- a sitcom called Titus? Yeah. Wow. yeah it's all, He's a comedian. He's like Chris, Chris Titus. Oh, uh, Bosch. That's the name of Titus Welliver's show. Kelly, I thought you were talking about Bosch. That was in Toronto. Bosch to... Dingus, the best revenge in all of moviedom is... Fill in the blank. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, what's happening? Right, you know, so I can't wait for more, because Kelly Wan, I don't know if you remember, that sound effect was originally, you've since attributed it to me, that was originally Benedict Cumberbatch. So I'm expecting a lot of that. What's the What's the what? movie where he was like a politician, like the elder brother? Ides of March. No, what was it? Ides of March. No, I think it was like a period piece. Dingus, help me out here. Like he's someone's, he's the brother of some Prestige? of the main character. No. It was you. Dingus, Tom. do you know what I'm, No, you're not going to be able to do this. It, it was you. What was me? No, I'm trying to think of the movie that Kelly Wan introduced that thing that he does where he pretends that's me. It was originally Benedict Cumberbatch. Like he used that in a synopsis where Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch is talking to his younger brother. Ooh. So in, anyway, my I point no being, Kelly Wan, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a whole lot of that next week. Oh, God. It should go back to where it originated. Uh, the Negative Zone? What was that movie? I can't believe you guys don't remember. I haven't seen that many Cumberbatch movies. I know I, I vaguely know what you're talking about, but I I can't really remember. Oh, Black Mass, Black Mass. Wasn't he he's somebody's a, older brother or something in Black Mass? Oh yeah, he's a politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. so at any rate, Kelly Wan, he was just bring the, you, Tom. Nope, Kelly Wan, I need you to bring the you back where it came from next week. I look Boston accent. <laughs> All right, I have to see what his nationality is in the movie. I'm going to change it. All right. Spoiler. All right, Dingus, what, 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 how do you fill, fill in the blank for the best revenge in all of moviedom is? All right, this should not be much of a surprise. Here's a quote from it. Revenge is in God's hands, not mine. Um, and this would be The Revenant. Uh, this is my absolute favorite revenge thing. There's tons of these. Um, but I love the way that this movie handles it. Um, and part of this is my baggage as a father. Uh, 
because this is where the movie deviates from the supposed uh, true story of uh, of the dude in the Revenant, because I don't think there was any like a son being killed thing. Uh, from what I've read about the movie, it was mainly the idea of him being abandoned and having his weapon stolen, um, and and then clawing back and and coming back after uh, Tom Hardy <laughs> because of that. But the great thing about the movie, as far as I'm concerned, and why The Revenant was my favorite movie last year, is um, is how he. Uh, is the unbelievable, the unbelievable struggle of him having to be there, unable to move while his son is being murdered in front of him, essentially, and then uh, crawling his way across the snow uh, in order to exact revenge. And that's really all he's doing, is getting revenge. Um, but the understanding is that uh, this is not going to, in the end, pay off for you. And this weird idea of how the of, of how revenge is actually exacted at the end of the movie, um, where he puts it in God's hands, so to speak, but he knows it's not really, uh, is is so odd and so strange. Um, but I love the struggle that he's going through. And um, I can't get away of I can't get away from the whole uh, father son thing. That's all. He ruins it though by breaking the fourth wall. He looks at the camera like you think Leonardo DiCaprio of all DiCaprio of all people. <laughs> don't don't look at the camera <laughs> when you're shooting a movie. Huh. It ruins that shot. Oh, and they use that tape. The cameras don't exist. It's the 1700s. The bear <laughs> doesn't have the camera all the time. No, the bear's oh, a better actor than DiCaprio is because the bear knows not to look at the camera. Oh. It's true. They trained it. Yeah. They DiCaprio really wanted to like tape a bunch of uh, bottles to his fingers at the end, but they wouldn't let him uh, do that. There's not don't that much get, difference. Don't get Kelly one started, Dingus. Jesus Christ. Dingus, what do the listeners have? Because there's a so December movie, one's a January movie. <laughs> <laughs> no overlap. Okay, what? Sorry. All right, listeners. So, uh, listeners, uh, our uh, first listener is named Jensen. Uh, <laughs> number three, John Wick. Don't kill Keanu Reeves' dog. Um, number two, Dead Man's Shoes. Uh, Patty Constantine comes back from oh, the yeah. military. Oh yeah! Oh wow! I love that movie. Uh, uh, and gets revenge on drug dealers hassling his younger handicapped brother. I don't Have you know seen that movie. Kelly Wand? No, I just it's went. A Kelly, uh, it's no a Kelly Wand movie. It's definitely a Kelly Wand movie. Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. And it would be a like famous movie just because Patty Constantine is in it. But yeah. uh, oh, I love um, her. And. Uh, Jensen's fan. Jensen's number one is witchcraft uh, <laughs> slash Mikrahof oh god Mikrahofangin. Thing is, maybe um, better let Kelly Wan read that word. Anime. Yeah, Wait, what is it? I'm not there. No, there's no. There's too many umlauts for me to to convey to you over over the internet. 
All right, so this is from 1999. He saw this at Scandinavian Movie Festival in Minneapolis. Said in the 17th century Iceland, a pastor starts lusting after all the young women and decides they must be witches. The movie shows how miserable life is during the time, then the pastor starts having these witches killed and tortured. At the end, one of the women in the area castrates him and then feeds his nuts to the dog. Hmm. Nuts, sir. I don't understand. Other than that, the movie is long and tedious. Wait, is that a movie with Alyssa Milano? Oh. That's uh, Embrace of the Vampire. Uh, isn't she in some witch movie? She's in Charmed. I, I love this. That's it. Exactly, Charmed. Uh, I love and that our listener, Kurt Jensen, um, his number one pick is is capped off by other than that, the movie is long and tedious. Yeah, that's just good, the good part of it. Well, the guy's dog eating his nuts. I mean, that's worth a lot of tedium. That's a good point. Well, it doesn't take long. Uh, he honorably mentions the Vengeance trilogy. Uh, next, we have Paul Weimer. Revenge. <laughs> Happy anniversary, guys. It's been a pleasure to listen to you guys all this time. Uh, number three, in Skyfall... Oh, yeah. Um, the <laughs> elaborate revenge plot of Silva, Javier Bardem, to get revenge on M... Dom Judy Bench, uh, for selling him out to the Chinese two decades earlier, finally culminates with the battle at the titular Skyfall State. Uh, Paul Weimer's number two. In Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, the titular Khan, Ricardo Montalban, gets revenge on Captain Kirk, William Shatner, for marooning him on SETI Alpha 5 all these years ago by marooning Kirk in the center of a dead Genesis test world. Uh, and it's located in the Mufari Nebula, as Dingus knows. Mufari, stop. Mufari. Well, it's, it's near the Mufari Nebula. I'm not taking the bait. They're okay. in the same quadrant, basically. Gonna, so say. It's not, no. They're We're within 12. Away. It only takes 12 parsecs to get from one or the other. It's 14 <sighs> and 14.2, I think. Uh, all right, so Paul Weimer's number one choice is in a fish called Wanda. Ken, uh, Michael Palin, uh-huh. who has had his titular fish eaten by Otto, Kevin Klein, manages to get his revenge, crying revenge in the process, oh, I forgot that, Paul, uh, by running over a helpless Otto with a steamroller. Doesn't work, though. I mean, it's not fatal. Just saying. <laughs> uh, next we have Seb- a- Sebastian Dunn. Here, hello in descending order. Number one, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. First, thanks for making me watch this movie again. It's one I can't stop after having started. Secondly, we I made you watch it? How did Apparently. we make it? No. Huh. By, I might uh, by calling up the uh, topic of revenge, we made Sebastian Dunn watch ah, okay. Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, I hope you're already familiar with it, because describing it naturally does not do it justice. Antagonist Frank is forced to confront the man who's been pursuing him the whole movie, and in that confrontation, we and Frank find out why this harmonica guy exists. Ah, we've had harmonica before. And it's god darn perfect. Ten minute sequence and only two lines of dialogue. Also, what kind of music could be expected to play on a harmonica with his hands tied behind his back? He should have given him a kazoo. Admittedly, that's a much weaker nickname. Kazoo. <laughs> Especially for Bronson. 
Oh, Sebastian, that's great. I'm Kazoo. <laughs> hey, I'm Kazoo. Like yeah. That. Uh, Sebastian's number two, the rover. Uh, related to the above, but say no more, right? And now my suicide by cop pick, number three, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, fuck me. Keep How do they even get revenge? I don't know. What are they getting revenge for? <laughs> what were the wrongs was perpetrated? He's, he's taking them. revenge on sand because he hates it. Um, is revenge. Wait, this, Sith is plural though, isn't it? It's not just one. Is Christian Haydenson a Sith? Yeah, he's a wood. Uh, is he? I thought he okay. turns into a Sith. You just turn oh. into one if you do something mean. Okay. Jedi are like. Uh, what's the What's the plural of Sith? Or what's the singular of Sith? Sith. Yeah. Okay. Slytherin. So who are the other Siths who get revenge in that movie? Darth something and Darth something. Darth Insidious and Darth Darth Grievous. Darth Snoke's Insidious. I love that you called him Insidious. It's so Darth Insidious. Darth Deciduous. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Sedimentary. Darth so, uh, Sebastian. So wait, would says, Darth Deciduous be evil all year or or only part of the year? I forget. I get them mixed up. If you're evil, what? Do you, it's not about revenge. There's a Darth Coniferous is always evil. Uh, Darth Deciduous is evil green, only yeah. during the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lightning is your revenge instrument. Force lightning. I do like dark coniferous though. Good. If you good get that, when we all become Sith, that's going to be your name, Kelly. Yeah, Wan, you're going to be Darth Deciduous. Darth Perennial would be always. Oh, there. Perennial. Darth Perennial. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one too. Seduced by the all dark. Right, so uh, Sebastian Bench. says, "Keep on keeping on," and he gives his full name: Sebastian Burnside Dunn. He, he includes his middle name because the competition for world's coolest name is so fierce around here. Yeah. His middle name is Burnside. It's Burnside. Decent, yeah, that's decent, Sebastian, but it's no, you know, like Colton Westrate or Arthur Giovanginelli or any exactly. of those. Yeah. It's good enough without the Burnside. Nick. <laughs> it kind of the Burnside's a bit much, in fact, Sebastian. Just go with what you got. I don't. You don't need to throw the Burnside in there. Sebastian Dunn is nice. It's concise. It stands out just enough. Burnside's Burnside a cool a name. It show. just makes me think of Raymond Burr, I'm afraid. Yeah, played in Ironside. It's got yeah. the side, too. Yeah. Oh, he's got sideburns, too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got sideburns. <laughs> That's why he's called Ironsides. Yeah. It is? Yeah. Uh, I thought because the wheelchair is made of iron. No, so tell you why. That's, that's very insensitive. That's what? why he's Professor X. Oh, fuck. All right. Next, we have Chris Hobson. Happy Halloween. Thanks, Chris. Uh, number two, Runaway Train. John what? Voight, uh-huh. an escaped prisoner, exa- enacts his revenge on the brutal jail warden Rankin after a long train action battle, managing to chain him inside the engine car headed for a precipice. Instead of jumping off and saving himself, he climbs onto the roof and holds his arms in the air victoriously, choosing to die with his life nemesis. The scene fades out in a flurry of snow and a quote from Richard the third appears no beast so fierce but knows some touch of pity but I know none and therefore I am no beast and you can tell here this is the man who will go on to direct Tango and Cash very good John Boyette directed that Andre Konchalovsky oh right wow Tom <laughs> way to roll that out uh, Chris Hobson has one more choice it's number one the black 
Cat from 1934. What? Oh, good lord, Grandpa movie. (laughs) I thought he was talking about the segment in Tales from the Dark Side where that guy, uh, Buster, I forget his name, where the cat attacks him and crawls into his body and then comes out of his mouth. You know what I'm talking about? That awesome bit. Like he's a hitman, and the fellow's like, I need you to assassinate my uh, cat. Yeah. cat. And the guy's like, what? It's a cat. Tales Big deal. Dark Side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's. I bet that segment is ten times better than any old 1934 movie. I'm just saying. A cat crawls out of his mouth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buster Crab, is it, Kelly Wan? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he's a hitman, and he fights this cat during the whole segment, and the cat Wait. wins, and he dies, mm-hmm. and then he's laying there dead. And the cat bursts out of his mouth because it crawled up into his body, I guess. Just it's like creep show cockroach sequence. Yeah. It's a, well, I think it, they'd like tauntauned him, basically. And the cat just so, sleeps there. Reminds me more of the thing that Kelly always talks about with a baby coming out of somebody's mouth. The dead alive? Oh, yeah. dead alive, yeah. yeah. Or alien. I guess his mouth. Kind of when does it come out of his mouth? It makes it mouth. That's not your stomach is not your mouth. With <laughs> mouth. What? It makes a new mouth. Yeah, but cows, you see. Yeah, but cows. Yeah, but cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish we'd heard that. On the life cycle of I'm the going age. to medical school. Yeah, but yeah. cows. <laughs> Sounds like something See. somebody would say at a presidential debate. Yeah, but cows. <laughs> Who would say that? Which Missiles, one? nuclear, the cyber. <laughs> yeah, but cows. <laughs> I like that. Well, because global warming. <laughs> yeah, but cows, right, exactly. Yeah, cows. Anytime yeah. someone brings up climate change, yeah, but cows. Right, right. right exactly. Kelly Wan, you're brilliant at debate. <laughs> See? Anyway, and I do it very few words. Chris Hobson's The Black Cat. Quote, five minutes, Marmoros, you and I, and your rotten cult will be no more. It has been a good game, unquote. Uh, Hjalmar has betrayed Vetus to spending 15 years in a Russian prison after World War I. He marries and kills, kills Vetus's wife and daughter in turn. When Vetus visits him, he and Hjalmar keep their unsettled score under wraps while the American newlywed couple is around. Finally, Oh my god, it's it's like you signed up for Tolstoy over here. Jesus. Where's there a cat in all of this, for Pete's sake? I'm dead and they're talking about wheat. Uh, Finally, Vitus has his revenge as he binds Hjalmar, skins him alive, and presses the red switch. Initially, the arsenal of dynamite stored below Hjalmar's modernist-style mansion in the Hungarian countryside. Okay, fair enough. I I wish Kelly had read that. Um, He's a regular Bogakov. Wait, we have a correction from Sebastian Dunn. Oh, I Uh, love corrections, by the way. We should be sent corrections more often. Go ahead. All right, Sebastian Burnside Dunn's correction is... Upon reflection, my rover pick doesn't really fit for this topic. Oh, I thought he was going to correct some, us, like something we misspoke on. No, we and never it, do. I'm always correct. And it's Jedi, not Sith. Duh. What? Wait, I thought one of the prequels was something about Revenge of the... It's Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith. From right, the they had to change song. it. I don't He's doing what, episode six. I don't know what's say. happening with Sebastian Dunn. That's his correction. He meant Jedi have the revenge in episode three. What's his what? correction to the rover, Dingus? Oh, right. He doesn't say. Uh, sorry, I'm reading this called Maybe Arnold Letting Sully Go in Commander 2 Can Sub for Number 2. That's a more pragmatic. He just says, Upon reflection, my rover pick doesn't really fit this topic. You're wrong. It does. Yeah, it does. It do- Well, he might be thinking of Guy Pierce's character. Oh. Because right. you watch it thinking, Oh, he's driven by revenge or whatever. Yeah, well, that's clearly not. All right. See, we filled the listeners with doubt, self doubt. They had to come back. 
Yeah. Wait, hang on. That's more comeuppance. All right. Now we have Arthur. What's his name, Kelly? Chapana Jelly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How come you never ask me? I can do it. I know you can Tom, do it. Tom, words aren't your thing. <laughs> <laughs> From other lands, especially. You've, you've got heart, too, Tom. Don't worry. Um, <sighs> so Arthur's number three is Unforgiven. Uh, Clint Eastwood learns of Morgan Freeman's death and embraces his intemperate disposition in order to get revenge on Gene Hackman and everyone else who had a hand in killing Ned. Uh, Arthur's number two, Once Upon a Time in the West. Um, Starring Kazoo. When Tom told... Actually, just thinking about Unforgiven, when Tom told me about that terrible Ty West movie um, and the dog... All I could think about was, did they put the dog in a coffin and prop him up somewhere? Dingus, I didn't say anything on this podcast about the dog getting killed. That's on you for spoiling that now. I I apologize. (laughs) Uh, Arthur's number two, Once Upon a Time in the West. Charles Bronson has been chasing Henry Fonda for years in order to avenge his brother. When he catches Fonda, they have an epic showdown set to an incredible score. Afterwards, Bronson reminds Fonda of the murder with a kazoo. I mean, harmonica. Um... (laughs) Arthur's number one, for a few dollars more, Lee Van Cleef mm. takes mm, up right. the mantle of a, bo- a bounty hunter in order to find Indio, the man responsible for his sister's death. The final confrontation between the two is particularly memorable due to Morricone's music, including the haunting chimes of a pocket watch. Uh, next we have uh, Dave, Dave Perkins. The revenge scene in Martyrs. Mm. Oh, wow. Wait. I hope he's end? not talking about the American one. Um, the revenge scene Ugh. in Martyrs left me breathless and speechless and is so ahead of all of the choices that I thought of that, that I thought of, that I will just put a number one and stop there. Do you know what your parents did to me? Huh. Damn, Dave. That's a, that's a dang good pick. I didn't think no one's martyrs. ever mentioned the American one, right? It, no one's what? what? No one ever mentions. Tom has mentioned it before. The the American one, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen them. Yeah, I I Instead take the bullet for those, so you don't have to, Kelly Wand. Get it? I watch things like American Martyrs in a Valley of Violence, uh, the Lethal Weapon TV show on Fox. No man, I Tom was things. giggling like a schoolgirl uh, earlier but, tonight, and I'm like, "What are you watching?" He's like, "Lethal Weapon." He. <laughs> I think uh, there's a reason it's uh, been it's getting a full season on Fox. It's doing well in the ratings. America agrees that Clay Crawford is a better uh, Riggs than Mel Gibson. Hmm. Hey, but you right. were well, laughing like I laugh when I watch Seinfeld. What the hell's going on with this, this show? Good Mel's now too old for that shit. Right. And Damon Wayans is not annoying. I also oh he's. He's Murtaugh? Is, is that one of the taglines of the show? Damon yeah. <laughs> Damon Wayans is not annoying. Exactly. They need to get that out there as a marketing point. Right. <laughs> so anyway. No, I seriously do. I, Clay Crawford, I love that guy so much, and I'm so glad to see him doing uh, – he's just having so much fun with it. Uh, I hope he can parlay this into a so, movie career. Damn, do you, are, you, are you recommending this show? Um, you might have to be a Clay Crawford fan already. Uh, I'm not sure how much that's required, but once we see Spectral that Clay Crawford is in with our friend Dingus, uh, Brian Casp, uh, I'm sure at that point, because he's in Spectral with James Badge Dale, so maybe then you guys will appreciate him enough to enjoy Lethal Weapon on Fox. 
We're five episodes into the season. What's the other thing that Brian's in? The weird uh, thing that sounds like a, a futuristic thing, but it's really about Nazis. Oh, Anthropoid. Westworld. Yeah, yeah. Anthropoid. Yeah. 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 All right. With uh, with uh, uh, Jamie Dornan, a fellow I love from yeah. Fortitude. Yeah. All right. Anthropoid's my favorite ethnicity. Anyway, sci-fi movie. I think it's the name of the operation, which is unfortunate because, yeah, as Kelly Wan said, it does sound like you're in for a Westworld or something. Yeah, yeah. It does. Mm. Speaking in of which, are you guys, have you guys watched any of that? No, I want to. Right. People keep asking me if I watched it, which means it must be watchable. They don't go, yeah, skip it. They just go, you see it? Yeah, the thing is, I'm worried it's going to be like. Well, it doesn't seem like a series premise. Right, exactly. Like I don't need yeah. to. I need to let a whole series, a whole season pass, so people can tell me whether or not it was. Uh, it's just yanking their chain, or it's worth sticking with. I think Lost would have been a good movie. Though, I think. Oh, good lord! Oh, yeah, God. Damon Lindelof. Yeah, more Damon Lindelof. That's what we need. That's how he came later. <laughs> Look. So anyway, Go to Dave, back to Dave Perkins. Uh, Dave, uh, this this pick gives me chills. Great, great pick. Um, next we have Chris Webb. Uh, number three is Anakin killing the younglings in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, because he's getting revenge on them for rubbing salt in in our phantom wounds. Um. Uh, Chris Wait. Webb. Oh, I see what he's. Okay, I get it. Because those are the kids who liked Phantom Menace. So. Anakin's killing them, and therefore Lucas is. You're welcoming us. <laughs> Got it. Chris Thank you, Chris. Chris. Number two it. is MacGruber peeing from the motion film MacGruber. Oh, sweet revenge. Yeah. 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 Take that. Chris Webb. Uh, At his wedding, too, by the way. There's right. also a revenge Val Kilmer got when he's like, haha, I don't have a dick anymore, so you can't cut it off. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's it's cool. like dueling revenge. It's a game of cat and mouse revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That movie is so intricately written. It is. It's such a nuanced ending. Yeah. And it's such a it's great a- example of finding good parking. <sighs> is that a reference to the scene with Kristen Wiig being in surveillance? Yeah, like the, he can't find good parking. We can't, That's your like, takeaway from all of the narrative richness and the character nuance is that one gag. That's what you got out of MacGruber, Dingus. That and the butt. Butthole. Your butt. Your butthole. In the butt. Feed my jeans. Feed them. Celery. Celery plays a good part. I like the celery in the movie. Especially do you guys know? Celery. Do you want to know a way to not like Kristen Wiig as much as you do now? Uh, watch the movie Masterminds with her, Zach Galifianakis, and uh, uh, the uh, – Is that the Patrick Stewart? Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. It's a movie that was in uh, like release hell because of the problems of the studio called Relativity, and it should it should have stayed there. That's all I'm saying. It will make you like Kristen Wiig even less. And That's what it says on the poster. Yeah, exactly. That's the tagline. Do you like Kristen Wiig too much? Right, exactly. If you want to Is back it becoming off on a problem? that, yeah, yeah. If you need to sort of uh, temper that a little bit. Is your wife annoyed that you're always talking about her? Great- <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Did you like the Skeleton Twins too much? Yeah. Or Ghostbusters is a good way to... All right, to, so... She's not offensively bad. Like, Ghostbusters, it's like, eh, it's no. making a paycheck. You, you can't be grudge that. I yeah. guess not. It's not her fault. Uh, Chris but. Webb's number one pick comes from a movie that not only should Dingus not see, 
but one which he should be restrained from being within 100 yards of. I love where this is going. I have no <laughs> idea where it's going, but I, I, I want to be there. There's I a distance. don't like this, but okay, like, here we go. A movie ready, called A Serbian Film. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> What's it called? Do you know what he's talking about, Tom? Of course I do. Yeah. All right. For the sake of decency, I won't explain what warrants the act of revenge, but ultimately the, the protagonist kills the bad guy by shoving his erect penis through the villain's eye socket into his brain. It could be uh, a hurts. Could be a it hurt everyone. A real stand-up and nice moment that is not a thing. Again, people, the nice thing is, is totally something Tom made up. A real stand-up and nice moment at the end of a miserable movie. Nice. Yeah, Dingus would totally stand up. Can I tell you, Dingus, how what he's? It's an old enough movie. It's a Serbian film is kind of infamously uh, aggressively tasteless. Um, <laughs> I versus first, one-eyed monster. Okay, the what? protagonist <clears throat> is tricked into sodomizing his own uh, young boy. What? Uh, there you go. A Serbian film. That's such a. That would just irritate me if that happened. Gag in one of those scream movies where somebody gets killed by having a penis shoved through their ear. It's scary movie. It's scary. Well, the funny thing is about a Serbian film is that's one of the lesser offensive things you see is the penis in the eye socket. I mean, what what precipitated it is far more disturbing. Uh, A Serbian film, by the way, I did not enjoy. I do not recommend. I mean, it really was one of those shock for shock's sake kind of movies. Hmm. All right. Well, finally, we have Chris Markinson. Hey, guys, my choices for revenge have a villain for my number three, a heroine for my number two, and a hero for my number one. Number three, I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and around the Antares Maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. This is a Star Trek, obviously. After being abandoned on SETI Alpha 5 for decades... Khan manages to hijack the Reliant. <laughs> I was right. Quest for revenge. Yes. I was. I was joking, and I was absolutely right. <laughs> well, you know what that's echoing. Uh, that Moby quote, Dick. Chase, yeah. yeah, that's that's, that's the, the totally famous Klingon a, fiction Moby Dick, right? It's yeah. his favorite well, book. <laughs> well, as with Hamlet, it's only best in the original Klingon. Ah, right. Um, but yeah, I do actually love that. I. I I'm embarrassed to say I didn't even think of Wrath of Khan for this topic, and that's stupid. Dingus, you know the the Nebula thing. Come on. How could you forget that? Stop with Nebula. Why is the movie about the Wrath of Khan and not the Wrath of Kirk? Like, wouldn't the Wrath of Kirk be the more significant part of the movie? Because Kirk doesn't even know Khan's out there. He thinks Khan's like, you know, he's like, ah, he's this guy I brushed off a while ago. But he gets wrathful to him at the end. Like, isn't that the more significant part of the movie? Is Kirk? Jedi don't have wrath. Only uh, yeah, but Kirk is a Jedi. <gasps> Boy, See? I did not know that, Kelly Wand. Oh, That's why he makes all those hand gestures. <laughs> <laughs> like Chris Markinson's number two, which is apparently a heroine. Uh, Wait, real two. quick, real quick. Hold on, Kelly Wand. How would a Jedi deal with a Vulcan? And could a Vulcan be a Jedi? Uh, he'd go. These aren't the droids you're looking for. But then the Vulcan go, actually, yeah, they're not. Like, he uses logic with his hand. It's like a logic. He, like, convinces you. He, like, convinces I, think there's you. A, I think there's a buddy cop film in the making here, a Jedi and a Vulcan, like, traveling the galaxy fighting crime. Shatner's getting too old for this shit. <laughs> All 
All right. Uh, Chris Markinson's heroine, number two. They number should make two. a butt movie. Shatner and Patrick Stewart. When they, they should like have Clayne Crawford yeah. play both parts. Right. And they have to fight Ricardo Montalban again. Yeah. All right. I'll shut up. <laughs> Chris Markinson, number two. Uh, looks like a bit of dialogue. Oh, we're doing that? Why else would we walk up here? In Green Room, Anton Yelchin yeah. might have only wanted to ruin the crime scene, but Imogen Poots is there to take some revenge. I mean, he needs, at that point, like, come it's on. A he, it's a yeah, great it's one. Yeah, it's a great one, and he really, like, it's kind of like she, he, she kind of has had to point stuff out to him. Right. It's kind of obvious, like the whole, yeah, like the, their whole plan that she's got with the marker, the whole Shazbot bit. Like, I think she, she, she talks him through all this. She's right. basically his Beatrice taking him through this hell here. Yeah. Uh, without her, she, he'd be a little bit lost. Right. And so Chris's number one is a hero. Uh, real quick, I want to say, because this is, uh, this is what made me watch Ty West's In a Valley of Violence. Um, H.A. Bowen is an actor who we all like, and I think this is just because he's worked with Ty West, and I'm sure they're friendly. He tweeted, the best two horror movies I've seen this year are Green Room and In a Valley of Violence. <laughs> I agree with the first part. Yeah, so that's on A.J. Bowen that I saw that. All right, so yeah, moving on from Green Room. Uh, so Chris is number one. Uh, you think you can get this straight? Maybe break some deserving teeth. This question is asked by the brain in Brick. Brendan replies, yeah, I think I could. This starts Brendan's quest for answers and revenge. It's interesting. I wouldn't have even thought of Brick as being a movie related to revenge, but I think Chris is right. Well, because I'm now trying to think, like, what... It's all that all that plot stuff in noir movies can yeah. confuse me when I'm thinking yeah. back on who was doing what to whom for why. I mean, I'm happy to have Brick chosen for any three by three. Don't get me wrong, but it, it definitely has the wheel spinning in my head. I'm like, who is revenge? Because does he know at that point? Because he's still t- trying to unravel. The thing is, any any bit of dialogue where there's lines about deserving teeth, I'm okay with yeah. whatever is being referenced. It's like, yeah, that's that's good. Like Blair Witch. Well, I can look at it. Deserving teeth. The uh, thing is, I mean, Kelly Wand, he didn't do anything bad. Why are you? Why do you think his teeth deserve to be pulled? Is is Marathon Man deserving teeth? Although he doesn't pull the teeth, does he? He just drills them. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right, that's all That's all we got. Do you guys have any uh, extras? Well, Avengers, of course, once they figure out why they're called Avengers. I'm sure there's some... <laughs> suitable of revenge going on there. Um, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Anything else? Caddyshack. Um, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. What's the revenge in Caddyshack? The pool? See, Dingus, I shouldn't have even asked. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, the thing that that launched the topic and which I didn't end up uh, including is, is Leon, the professional. Um and, and mainly because, uh, you know, Matilda is hiring him and learning to be a hitman to take revenge on the killing of her little brother. Not so much for her family, but mainly for her little brother. And I just love the line where Leon says to her, revenge is not good, Matilda, believe me. Uh, 
and and it it just says so much about the past of this particular dude. Um, so I really like that moment. And the other one I really like besides Titus, which is a play, and so the whole baked into pie thing is revenge. I have to like lay it off on a play. Um, would I know be, a way around that dingus? But go ahead. Okay, it would be Red Road, uh, which I, I saw for the first time because we watched um, American Honey, and her whole, as it turns out, her motivation being revenge and how she backs off from it is actually fairly fascinating to me as I look back on the movie. Uh, if you want to pick Titus, just pick uh, Peter Greenaway's Cook the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Because yeah. that has people baked into a pie, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, but I like this one more. I like I love Titus. I absolutely love that movie so much. Right, but it's not a movie. It's a play, so you have to say you yeah. love the play. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the That made me think, of course – I mean there's just – what movie doesn't have revenge? Really? You know, yeah, uh, four right. out of five movies have revenge. Almost. You're right. It was it – was, uh, it was, I would say it's a fertile topic, but I think it's just basically wide open. The, the one I thought of when you were talking about uh, uh, Leon is uh, True Grit. Like Haley Steinfeld's character, oh. Maddie, I think is her name. Uh, that's you know that's a revenge story. A little girl hiring Jeff Bridges to because Tom Chaney killed her dad and she wants to track him down and have Rooster Cogburn kill him. Uh, oh, you're right. One. Yeah, I forgot about that. I wonder if that's also a hollow and effectual revenge. I mean, she does kill him, but uh, I don't know. Uh, all right, you guys ready for next week's topic? Yes. So, uh, oh, the guy who uh, was was killed in True Grit. His name is Tom Chaney. Dingus, what's the name of Ben Affleck's character in this movie we just watched? His name is Chris Jen Wolf. Huh. So sometimes when you're watching a movie, a character has your name, and it might be a little weird for you. Sometimes you don't even notice. Like sometimes – like I didn't – you know, the guy – the villain being Tom Chaney in True Grit, uh, whatever. It didn't really register with me at that point. There's so much else going on in the movie. Uh, I don't know how you felt about – Ben Affleck being named Christian in The Accountant, Dingus, but I would like to have you think about that and maybe consider putting it on next week's 3x3, which is movies that are kind of weird because one of the characters has your name. Jesus, Tom. Dingus, thanks for ruining my number one. I didn't do anything. Yeah, you did. So obviously we'll we'll talk more next week about why Miller's Crossing is my favorite instance of a movie where – where a movie Last weird watching name. a movie. Either, Kelly Wand. Either. There's a... Because Christian's my middle name. So was it weird? Were you thinking of that the whole time you were watching The Accountant? I wasn't thinking at all. <laughs> Wait, Christian... Because Christian is Dingus's middle name. His first name is Patrick. Christian's really your middle name? Yeah. You guys have the same middle name? Yeah, I'm only we've just talked now about realizing this, before, this yeah. Weirdos. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so uh, next same week... Same birthday, too. Wait, and, can, and we, for, can we... Can I ask a question? Uh, I guess. Is it? Yeah, sure. Does it have to be our name, or can it be any of the? Three no, it has to be your name. It has to be the person submitting the list. I don't want you to think that a name is weird. A character is weird because it has Kelly Wan's name. It has to be named either Christian or Patrick Erman Slaskley. It has to have one of your names. Uh, and so the listeners writing in, you're not. There's not going to be any overlapping. Pit. Well, there might be. We have a lot of Chris's, don't we? Uh, I expect you writing in. It has to be your own name. Uh, so someone like Sebastian Dunn, he's going to have fewer choices than someone like Chris Markinson, for instance, or Chris Webb. There you go. Uh, so if yeah, Wilford very cool. married Oprah Winfrey. His name would be Wilford Winfrey. 
Wait, oh, what, what, why would he take her last name? Because it's it's a matriarchy. <laughs> That's millennial. So if you can think of movies where it's kind of weird that a character has your name, send your picks into 3x3 at quarter3.com. We would love to read them. Make sure to include your name. It normally is on your email, so that should be pretty easy to figure out. Uh, also, see Doctor Strange. Starring <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Euphemisms. Nope, nope. Literally starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, uh, and then stick around for our 3x3 three three of movies that are weird because characters have your name. So, so join us next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Merlinski. It's Patrick Moroski. And we also had Kelly Wand. If Dieter Laser married Peter Pan, his name would be Dieter Pan. Housekeepers here, can you hear in the background? Clattering. Physiologically, it's a non-starter. Sometimes I just say shit. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Interesting. Can you hear my cat clattering around? He's like climbing on things he shouldn't be climbing. No, why don't you hum a few bars? <laughs>